0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. This is your host, Jim Towns, and I'm here with one of our regular uh, guest co-hosts, Ian Bates. Hey, Ian. How you doing?
1: I am doing great, Jim. And, you know, I feel like I always say the same thing. It's it's great to be back on the pass. And uh, I don't know, for some odd reason, that's catchy to me. It's like, you're back on the pass. Back on the pass. I like that. Yeah, I love yeah. it.
0: That's cool. Um, let's see. Ian was last here when we did uh, Re- Return of the Spider Woman, right? Spider, Spider-, Woman, strikes Spider- back. Woman strikes back. Yeah, yep. yeah. I had I had I had the the Star Wars movies mixed up. So I said Return <laughs> of the Jedi instead of Strikes <laughs> Back. Right. Spider <laughs> Woman strikes back. Um, right. So it's been a minute. Uh, we are going to do something a little different here. A few weeks ago, I was looking at cool old. I was just telling Ian this as as we were prepping to start recording. I was looking at just a lot of old, great, creepy set design images. I think for I was trying to find a reference for one of the one of the graphics I create for the show Avatars, and I came across all the the very awesome creepy Moore sets for the Hound and the Baskervilles, the Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. uh, film, mm-hmm. which was actually a we'll get into it was a 20th Century Fox film. This this one, um, and I put just put it out there on our social media is like what everyone because because. Of all the Sherlock Holmes movies, and there were 15 of them, I think, made with, with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce here in the series during mm-hmm. the war years, um, this is the one, first of all, it's, a, it's period correct, The Hound of the Baskervilles it's set in the late 1800s, whereas a lot of when they came over to Universal, the first two movies were done, 20th Century Fox, I think, then they came yep. over to Universal, and when they came to Universal, they turned it into a contemporary series. So it was set in like the 1940s era right, suddenly. Right. Um, this one is period correct. It's 1800s. Um, it takes place on this, again, most of it on this creepy set that, they, ama- that um, amazingly skilled craftsmen built for the moors of these rocks and swamps and bogs and hinges and everything. It's just so cool. And even the film itself was sold, the, the film obviously being based on the Arthur Conan Doyle story of the same name, was sold as kind of a monster movie. There's this idea, yeah. and and it, the film plays it down a little bit. In the book, there's a lot of speculation as to whether this hound of the that roams the, the, the moors is actually like a supernatural creature uh, that haunts this basketball family because of the sins they've committed in the past and stuff. And we'll get into that anyway. Uh, I asked would anybody be interested in us doing just a one episode of for Sherlock Holmes on the <laughs> podcast, and we had an overwhelmingly strong yes response. Like yes, do
1: do that. So. Well, I feel like you, you had a, a little bit of an unfair uh advantage because I have, you know, my Instagram account, my personal and yes. the Universal Monsters account, so I voted yes twice. So <laughs> oh, so yeah, we, we
0: got one extra in right, there. Right. See, that tipped the scales. That's yeah. how we do it. Um So, I was damn no, sure we were going to do it. <laughs> well, not everything is a do- is a democracy uh, in our decision making <laughs> right, right. on the on the show, but but in this case, you know the people spoke and we wanted to listen. So we are bringing you 1939's Hound of the Baskervilles, uh, produced by 20th Century Fox, starring Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes in his first outing as the character, Nigel Bruce as Doctor John Watson, Lionel Atwill. Of all uh, people, as Doctor James Mortimer, John Carradine as Barryman the butler, and a host of other uh, great character actors that we'll get into coming up. Um, they do two of these movies: this one and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, the 20th Century Fox, and then I think they go over to uh, to Universal, as I said. Um, right, uh, and it's and I will preface this by saying, everybody, I am in, by no means a Holmes scholar. I'm a big fan of the the. Stories I have read quite a few of them in the past, uh, but I'm not super versatile in my knowledge of that. I'm I'm much more <laughs> I know a lot more about monsters than I do about Sherlock right. Holmes. But <laughs> I'm right there. With but you. I'm a fan, yeah. and I think this movie is important. It's an archetype. It follows uh, the the our again our first cinematic. It's it's the I think the third cinematic outing of Sherlock Holmes. It was a silent film which I think starred John John Barrymore as. Um, as Sherlock Holmes. And then there was a, a earlier film before this, this was the one that brought the, the still very popular Sherlock Holmes character to the, to the silver screen and really cemented what I think is most people's a- abstract mental image of, of the character of his profile sure. of the Aquiline features of the, obviously I pretty sure this, in, this introduced the deerstalker cap into at least like <laughs> right, pop right. culture understanding of the character. So that's <clears throat> super critical, even though he, he barely wears it. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. and everything. So I don't think you can underestimate the importance of this this film within the, the subgenre of Sherlock Holmes, which is still going on today, which, you know, the, the, the hit uh, BBC show Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, the very popular movies with Robert Downey Jr. lately, which I ho- right. hope they're making a third one of those because those movies are
1: that's been tossed around. I, for entertaining, entertaining a as years, heck. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I know they take a lot of liberty with the character, yeah. including the fact that, <laughs> right. that it's played by an American, not a British person. Uh, sure but is. I think they're fantastic. Um, anyway, so we're back to this: uh, the Hound of the Baskervilles, uh, in in which Sherlock Holmes and his uh, assistant Doctor John Watson. Uh, go to help uh, young Sir Henry Baskerville who has inherited uh, a big estate in, down in Devonshire uh, which is in the very south of England um, his family is supposedly haunted and his father was supposedly helped—you know uh, killed by a giant mysterious hound that is a, uh, a figure in the local legend um, it's directed by Sidney Landfield it's written by Ernest Pascal based on the story by Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, the story it was actually, um, Conan Doyle had actually killed off Sherlock Holmes in the Reichenberg Falls uh, a story because mm-hmm. he was kind of sick of writing the character. And then he came up with this story about the the basketball hound and, and this whole myth. More like a, I mean, it's really more like a gothic. And I think that's why this show, this this. This one story and this one film version of this is so oftenly, oftenly <laughs> often done and is so popular because it's kind of a gothic story that Sherlock Holmes happens to yeah. be in, right? You know, as opposed to right. The Sign of Four or um, A Scandal of Bohemia or, or these other things, which are kind of more mental exercises. This is like – there's a lot of chasing through the moors. It's a physical, action yeah, element yeah. that's very strong in the film and i think i think that especially with american audiences probably really lands hard so yeah um uh we are gonna get going um these this film one more thing this film and all the other sherlock holmes films were restored in the early 2000s by ucla um many of them were in very bad shape they they'd been kept but some of them only existed as like the multiple generations of of uh Positives have been struck from different mm. prints. Uh, some have had very bad vinegar syndrome, which because they were on the old cellulose type uh, uh, thing. Um, They're transferred all to polyester film based. This is like before like digital restoration existed. But on the on the very cusp of that, UCLA did raise a lot of money and, and rescued all these films. And most of them do look fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there is a... I looked. I don't know if there is an actual Blu-ray or dare we, you know hope for a 4k uh version of these films available i i think you know, we're both watching the the collected sherlock holmes uh, dvd set right yes yeah,
1: that's so that's i, I, I i'm probably watching the same version you are but i do have the blu-ray
0: oh okay um yeah well how, how do the, the Baskerville's Chris? is on blu-ray right yeah that one
1: well no th- this is a collection oh there's a whole this collection is, I, okay i've somehow stumbled upon the collection and it's on blu-ray uh-huh. and uh they're awesome. I, I think check it's check the out. same... I think it is the same thing as, as like, the base. Mm-hmm. I think they release it on DVD and Blu-ray. And Blu-ray. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe simultaneously. Interesting. Um, I do have the Blu-ray. My searches so, did not find that, so um, I'll have, have to look around for that. That's awesome. It could be out of print. I yeah. I picked it up. So, I mean, the whole reason, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm probably a guest on this episode is uh, we did, you know, the Spider-Woman Strikes Back, and that was, like, a proto, you know, spin-off of... Um, yeah, of one of the latter uh, present day Holmes films, the Spider Woman. So uh, in preparation for the Spider Woman Strikes Back, I felt like since that was sort of a, a spinoff character, I needed to watch these. I'd never watched these. It's just something that kind of flew under my radar mm. for some odd reason. And so I bought the collection the same time I bought the Spider Woman Strikes Back. So I watched all the way up to the Spider Woman, which is a Holmes movie. And then I watch The Spider-Woman Strikes Back. Um, which are which are not connected in, 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 in not the connected, narrative no. in any way. Yeah, it's really right. interesting. Gail, Same Gail, lead actress. Gail Sondergaard's in that, different Different yeah. version of the character, essentially, yeah. though. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or, or whoever plays the lead. It's yeah, funny. exactly. Um, fascinating. So the movie begins with this legend, and it says, In all England, there is no district more dismal than the vast expanse of primitive wasteland, the moors of Dartmouth-Devonshire. Um uh, which is great. It's not totally accurate uh, uh, or, or it's not totally inaccurate. The, the area is very, I've looked at photos of it. It's it's pretty barren of trees. There's a lot of rocks and stuff, but it's not, it is not the, as I the phrase I like to use, it's not the blasted hellscape that, that we see <laughs> in this film. It's a lot more open and less confined stuff. Obviously, what we're looking at here in the 20th Century Fox film is is a construction uh built built on, on a sound stage or or at least on a back lot i think it was probably on a soundstage. Right. it's very confined but it's huge there's a ton of of walking around on this thing um uh, you know they they do a lot of traveling they even ride a horse in carriage and carriage and 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 they gallop horses on this set it's it was so big it was really. It, and it's impressive and it's it goes all the way back and I think there's kind of there's a painted backdrop but there's foreshortened mm-hmm. trees and things so, so as things go back towards the horizon they get a little they physically made them a little smaller so it cheats the eye and it makes it look like a lot of distance but it's just it looks absolutely fantastic yeah. and again I think it's why so uh, um uh so much you know uh, is is made of this film because um, it does it doesn't take place in rooms and as much and and in confined spaces it's out in the middle of nowhere um um uh we begin with sir charles Baskerville running away uh through the moors and he's being pursued by a great hound um he he uh he doesn't the hound doesn't actually kill him he kind of he, he dies of of uh of like a heart attack out of, of fear and, and right. exhaustion right. from running it, and this very creepy uh, character in a beard and like tattered clothes comes and searches the body, and uh, I think and, and tries to you know steal his watch from him and everything, but but doesn't manage to do it and is chased away. Um, so from the beginning, we had this kind of hint of you know you know some, obviously. Obviously, there's there's more than one suspicious character, and we're going to get into that mm-hmm. in a bit. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a like a coroner's inquest uh, in which they attempt to decide you know what's what's uh, you know the, the cause of death, and we meet a lot of the characters. We meet Berryman, uh, the the butler, played by John Carradine. Um, we've already seen we briefly see Mrs. Berryman, uh, his wife, mm-hmm. who's played by Eileen uh, Malian. Yeah. I think Eileen Malin. Eileen Ma- Malin, yeah, yeah, Eileen Malin, uh, who uh, yeah. is Hannah in She Wolf London? Uh, she, she's yeah. Scottish, yeah, and she's um she's got a neat face. She kind of looks like John Carradine a little bit. Like, yeah, they, they actually yeah. look like like siblings more than spouses. But right, he's, right, right. But maybe it's one of those things where like people get married and like they start
1: looking like each other. You know, like they say, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, also present at this, she also she also had uh, she had small parts in *Mark of the Vampire* and uh, she was Miss Peabody, the nurse and Dracula's daughter. Yes, she was. That's
0: right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, she's also in *The Undying Monster*, which I, I hope to do an episode of coming up soon. Um, a right little old, later, yeah. forty-two, I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, also, at this inquest, we have uh, Beryl Stapleton and her step stepbrother, John. Uh, Beryl's played by Wendy Berry, and John's played by Maureen Lowry, and they're going to factor largely into the story. And also, uh, uh, Mr. Franklin, who's played by uh, uh, Barlow Borland, um, who's a Scotsman. And the only thing I know him from is I, he's in uh, Hunchback in Notre Dame, uh, with the Charles Lawton version. He's, oh, okay. He's right. really Scottish. Like... He's his, it, it, the brogue is, like is strong with this man. Him. Yes, exactly. He's, right. he's, yeah. and he's a character. They're all, you know, characters from the story. He's known for, he's, he's kind of crack. He, we, in the old days, they would have called him a crackpot. Um, and he's right. very litigious. He likes to sue people for no reason at all. It's like his, it's like his <laughs> pastime, which is interesting and annoying, but you, you do wonder why he would, would want to live near him. I know. Um, uh, uh, Berryman, interestingly enough, uh, the butler, in the book, in, in the original story, uh, the Conan Doe story, his name is Barrymore. And I think the idea is that they changed his name so it wouldn't be the same name as John and Lionel Barrymore, the actors right. who were yep. were quite, quite a thing at the time. Um, and he would go on to have a descendant named Drew. Uh, who would also in right. more in more in our generation would become yes. uh, quite quite the sensation. Well, my generation at least, when with ET and Firestarter and everything. Um, uh, so yeah, they changed the, the names from from Barrymore to Barryman. Um, uh, and then we also we have Lionel Atwill as Doctor Mortimer. So I just you know I like I like what they did here is they they just took they took Carradine and 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 Atwill and all these guys and and put them all together in a room. To just, to just give you no idea who who if you haven't read the story, yeah. obviously who it is because they're yeah. all red herrings because they all look guilty as heck. I mean, they're just sure. they're all I mean, sinister. You have, um, they're all
1: Miss Mor- Mortimer like reach up at one point to like hush. Yes, the doctor oh, yes. and you know and they toss all these characters like right at the get go and and this is my second time watching it. Um, and I just remember thinking, good grief, like this is overwhelming. Yeah, and that's the point. Like, you get all the, all the main characters, boom, thrown right, right at once and uh, you're like, well, why are they doing this? And then as the story progresses, you realize like, oh, that actually had a distinct purpose. yes, and yes, exactly.
0: Great. And, and, and it also just, it populates this great film with all these uh, uh, character actors, which are, you know, which are entertaining, which keep going because, now the one thing about this film and, and it's, it's maybe one of the most interesting things about the film but it's also possibly one of the, if it has a weakness, it's that there are long stretches of this Sherlock Holmes mystery that Sherlock Holmes is not in. So yes. you have to, I mean, Nigel Bruce does a lot of carrying in this film. We're going to talk about Nigel Bruce. I was going say, I feel bit. like
1: Nigel Bruce had a bigger role in this than yeah. Basil Rathbone.
0: Yeah, so. almost. I mean, I mean, if you did a line count, I wouldn't be surprised if he has more dialogue yeah. than, 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 uh, Basil Rathbone. Um, and it's also an interesting seeing how Nigel Bruce is, performance of him changes over time and, and as these films go on and <laughs> right. on right um and, and i want to talk about that but uh uh yeah it just it, it really keeps you fascinated um uh dr mortimer testifies that he he thinks you know uh, sir sir charles died of heart failure um mm-hmm. mr franklin is convinced it was murder even though he wasn't there and he he doesn't really have any. Like the the judge says, like you have no direct knowledge about this. He, it's like why why is he even here? But okay, um, <laughs> right, right. He invited you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, so but so the inquest is over. We we go to London. We go to Baker Street, and we go to two twenty one B Baker Street. Um, I, I was watching a a, a little documentary about the, the this series of films versus the um the the books, and one thing. That I hadn't it hadn't really occurred to me but that, that the writer noted is you know in in the books uh Sherlock Holmes is not super wealthy in fact he he has to have John Watson move in with him for a while to help pay mm-hmm. the rent because he's he, he he doesn't you know he he's a Sherlock Holmes is a consulting di- I guess I should step back and talk about Sherlock Holmes for just a second just I mean in case um Sherlock Holmes Do that it's yes um <laughs> Is it is a creation of sir, uh, sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but he was not a Sir at that point. Uh, uh, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle was a, I believe, a veteran of of uh, one of the wars of England. I want I want to say it was Afghanistan, but it might have been India or it might have been Boer War. I don't know which. As I said, I'm not a huge Conan Doyle expert. Um, anyway, uh, he wrote a series of stories uh, and about this uh, detective named Sherlock Holmes owing a tiny bit to uh, maybe even more than a tiny bit to the Edgar Allan Poe uh, sto- uh stories of uh, murder in the room morgue um mm-hmm. uh and 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 his detective and this idea of a a detective who used uh, reasoning rather than action or you know aggression or, or guns or knives what, what, whatever have you um to to solve things So to solve mysteries um the idea of deductive reasoning of, of, of following a logical train of, of clues to their solution. Um, as I said in the books, he's not super wealthy, uh, to the point where again, he has to have a roommate, um, here 20, and 221 B was kind of a mess. It's, and, and I think we've seen this in, um, in the, in the Sherlock series. We've seen this in, yeah. um, some of the more recent, the Jeremy Brett, uh, BBC series in the, in the nineties really is where, uh, holmes is an eccentric and he's um he plays violin he wears between cases he kind of goes into these depressions and he wears like his robe all day long and he's just sort of like and the place is kind of a mess um and his landlady mrs hudson is always at you know at ends trying to (laughs) deal with him and everything um in in these these this this film and then into the universal films uh, Holmes is presented as pretty upper class. And and that's what I was yes. saying was like this, this one uh, document documentary noted um, Holmes is pretty well to do. <laughs> their place is really nice. And so their bachelor's kind of living together and sharing a thing. Um, maybe, maybe this is what started the whole sort of pop culture rumor about Holmes and Watson having a, a physical relationship. I don't know. Um, the idea that these two men of means live together out of choice rather than necessity i don't know i mean that nothing like that's ever right. implied in the in the, the stories no. of course and nothing like that's implied here in the in the um in the movies either um in any case 221b um the film does a cool job of like showing holmes pacing while we 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 we've, we've now met nigel bruce as dr john watson who's uh holmes has had him uh, re- cut out, cutting out all these newspaper articles about Sir Charles's death and about Sir Henry coming, uh, you know, his son coming in from Canada to to America or to uh, to England rather. Um, and it takes a while till to, to, to we get to see Basil Rothbone, like the reveal of, of him as Sherlock Holmes. And finally, we do. And this first scene, they definitely made a point <laughs> of showing him in profile as much as possible. And I think that's really right. right. Um, there's even even a quote somewhere about. Uh, Bowser Rathbone was Bowser Rathbone. And Sherlock Holmes was like two two profiles stuck together or something, because <laughs> I think they're right. taking advantage of how much he looked like. Um, there's a guy named Sidney Paget who who drew most of the illustrations for the stories when they were published in the Strand Magazine originally. Um, uh, when the when the, the the stories came out in England, and mm. and if you go back and look at those Sidney Paget drawings, we'll probably post some on the on the site. Um, it looked like Sidney Paget was 40 years in the in the went 40 years in the future and saw Basil Rathbone and drew him as the as what the is. Sherlock Holmes character yeah cuz it's really yeah <laughs> no wouldn't that be a cool idea cuz 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 Basil Rathbone <laughs> would have barely been born when those books were coming out if it, it, it might he might not even be been alive obviously cuz he's sure. i think he's i think he's like 47 or so in this in this story yeah um, yeah
1: um, which just still blows my mind that he's that old
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, it's weird. He's like younger than me, though. In this, in this story, so it's really funny. Um,
1: right? Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, we we do have. Uh, you know this this was a not to do a sidebar. Yes. It just it just struck me. This this was like a big year for Rathbone. Right? Mm-hmm. This was nineteen thirty nine. Thirty nine. So this, uh, you know, January they released *Son of Frankenstein*, and then this and the first sequel *Adventures of Sherlock*. Yeah, Bones, both come they out. They came out like. In the spring and and fall, and then Tower of London hits. Yep. at the end of the year, so big, big year. He's, for him. he's yeah, doing a lot of really cool. a lot
0: of stuff. Yeah. Um, and
1: I, isn't
0: uh, no, no, he's already done Captain Blood. I think he's been Love us here in in Captain Blood before this at some point. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then I think a year later he's he's um, the evil uh, uh, John, uh the evil uh captain in uh, the the Tyrone Power. Uh, Mark of Zora, which I just watched, um, and he's fantastic. Right, oh right. my gosh! Yeah, uh, yeah. This is yeah. this is a big moment for um for for Rathbone, and this is, I will say, uh, I've read a lot, and there's even a book about uh, Rathbone grew to kind of resent the the Holmes character and and the fact that he felt like in a way it had sidelined his career um, sure. because he became much like. George Reeves, who played Superman in the '50s TV show, um, you know, much like other other actors, uh, Legosi in in um, is playing Dracula. Uh, you play this iconic, famous character, and you do such a good job. Sometimes it's difficult to break free of that, isn't? When you're an actor, and the public comes to just think of you as that character mm-hmm. and that's obviously right. great because it's it means it's a success it means you did a great job it means all this stuff um but it can stereotype an actor and it can limit other options for them moving forward and so here we have rathbone kind of just tackling this because he does he does 15 of these movies and then he does a ton he and nigel bruce do a ton of radio uh shows
1: yeah. that was like in the 60s right
0: i think so yeah coming back yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um uh, some of them sort of recreations of these movies, and some of them totally yes. different ones. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: somewhere like completely original, I
0: think. And yeah. Hum, yeah. No, somewhere. You yeah.
1: Know, it's just, it's crazy to think the, um, just the massive, like, just the impact he had on pop culture. I mean, yeah. Uh, 1980s, um, Great Mouse Detective. Absolutely. Like, oh, good, the, good uh, pull. I love the, that the movie. The main character is, um, with the the mouse, the, the detective, his name his name is Basil, Basil. Uh, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. have like they have. I think they took recordings from Basil Rathbone from the radio productions, and like used those in the movie. And oh yeah, yeah. yeah. As, Vincent Price is like the villain. Vincent Price is that's as Vincent Ratigan. The yes, yeah, uh, did, yeah. yeah. Yo, you
0: you took me back with that. That's one of my favorite Disney's. <laughs> so I love that. If you guys yeah. haven't seen, um, it's based on a very successful children's stories called uh, Basil of Baker Street. And um and they're really wonderful little stories, by the way. Uh, I grew up reading those. I, I love them. Um, it's a little mouse yeah. who lives in Sherlock Holmes's apartments, and sort of emulates like him inspired, and follows in his thing. Yeah, wow, yeah. we're really down a rabbit hole. Okay, <laughs> we will get back to the. To the I point. love it. That's what yes, we're here for. <laughs> exactly. You could watch the movie yourself, guys. Come on, we're just here. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> Holmes is dispassionately wondering if young Baskerville will be murdered as well. He's he hasn't taken a case yet. He hasn't uh, uh, he doesn't have any investment in it he, as a as sort of an abstract mental exercise. He's sort of weighing the percentages of of, you know, well, Sir Charles has, has been murdered. I wonder if Sir Henry will be, too, because he doesn't have a stake in the game yet. <laughs> right. um, uh, um, and one more thing, Rathbone had had read all the the. Sherlock Holmes stories as a kid. So he was, at this point, he's very excited to play Holmes, like who's kind of a hero. I mean, you have to real in a time before Superman and Iron Man and, you know, modern, you know, action heroes and stuff, um, Holmes was the act, an action hero of this era. Like, yeah. like, like, children grew up, like, like, you know, enjoying, and, and adults too, like really loved the Sherlock Holmes stories. This would this was, uh, this was a pop culture phenomenon at the time, to the point where, like I said, um, Conan Doyle had, called him, had killed him off, and there was such a public outcry that he he brought him back and and created this slightly dodgy explanation of how um, Holmes supposedly dies falling over the Reichenberg Falls with Professor Moriarty. You know, at, mm-hmm. at the end of the, that one, the, it was, I'm sorry, it's the final solution is the, is the name of that story where they fall over the Reichenberg Falls. Um, uh, and then and then due to kind of public outcry and maybe just you want to make some more money uh, he brought him back anyway uh, 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 his uh, Holmes and Watson's um, uh, landlady comes and says this guy named dr. Mortimer had come to visit and he left his cane um, Holmes takes up the cane and we have the what what's really a a staple of Holmes stories is and what is, um, uh, uh, it transfers and moves quite a bit. Is is this idea of deductive reasoning? Um, they kind of they call it elementary reasoning for some reason in this film. I don't know why. Uh, deductive reasoning is again is this idea that's a mental exercise Holmes does where he looks at an object, a pocket watch, or in this case a cane, whatever, what have you, um, and he deduces things about its owner based on the evidence of his eyes. And he's got very sharp eyes, and he's got a in the stories, he's got a ridiculous amount of knowledge where he can he can smell coffee grounds or something and figure out what part of Sumatra they came from. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's yeah. like the amount of ridiculous knowledge he has stored in his brain and stuff. Um, the movies don't get that dense into it. Um, in this yeah. case, he looks at this cane and he he invites Watson to make some observations. Um, uh, and Watson <laughs> says, love "You it. know, yeah, love this oh, you know, oh, well, he's got a big dog because it chewed on his cane and, and or." or Deceased, or, or Holmes has said but you know I can't remember almost everything that Watson creates is completely I,
1: yeah. I
0: infers is completely wrong and Holmes corrects them
1: and Holmes just has this like great look, you know grin like that's great that's great you, you know you're reading into this yeah and- yeah uh, you're dead wrong. But you're dead wrong. And he enjoys that. He <laughs> yeah, just, right. I mean,
0: Holmes, it, 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 anyone who's seen any of the other iterations of Holmes, are, like Holmes really does enjoy torturing Watson. Like, it's kind of an unhealthy <laughs> really? relationship. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like he's like beating up a small child all the time mentally. Like, he's, Watson is not like, a dummy. Watson's there to feed his ego. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Watson's <laughs> not a dummy, but compared to Holmes, he is. And compared to Holmes, almost anybody would be. That's the. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. And we'll get into to, uh, Nigel Bruce's Dr. John Watson in just a little bit. So um, Dr. Mortar finally shows back up. Um, uh, and he says he, he was friends with Sir Charles Baskerville. He wants to—he's worried about Sir Henry, coming, who's coming back from Canada. I guess he's been in Canada for this amount of time. Um, he's coming back to take over the estate now that Sir, his, his father's dead. Um, and he tells Holmes and Watson this legend of the Hound— so, in a big long flashback we have um during this the i think it's the english civil war um hugo baskerville who i th- i think they're Huguenots in the story uh hmm. y- you have to imagine they they, they kind of look like three musketeers and Shakespeare kind of mixed together right. that that's sort that's the era we're talking about um uh um so there was this this guy named Hugo baskerville, who was obviously an ancestor of the present day baskervilles who as far as I understand from the, at least this version of the story, who kidnapped his neighbor's daughter and, <laughs> and, and brought her back to his house and put her in prison, apparently to make her his concubine or, or maybe yeah, wife or something like that. Don't refer...
1: Like, he refers to her, like, as to all of his buddies, like, the wench is upstairs yes, or something, yeah. <laughs> something like um, that. They just... The girl, the wench. Like, they never identify right, right. that right, whatsoever.
0: And, and, and to the point, I mean, to the to the 19... 19- 39 films credit like it, it totally says like no this is horrible like this guy was a monster this guy yeah. was like a, a bad yeah. person it's not like oh well that was just back in the day that's how they did things they, they're like no no yeah. this this was inappropriate it's, it's to be like for the 1650 yeah. Yeah. yeah um <laughs> so so within the flashback uh all of henry's uh all, i'm sorry all of hugo's friends are over drinking and he's bragging about putting her this woman up on his his uh, horse and kept taking her back and locking her in the room upstairs and they, they don't believe that he really did that. He's like, well, I'll show you. So they all go upstairs and the doors in the the balcony doors of the bedroom are, are open. Uh, this poor girl, he has kidnapped, has, has escaped and run has out to the escaped. moors. Um, yeah. Uh, not the moors, not the moors. Yeah, yeah. Every time they talk about the moors, do you think about American Werewolf in London, though? Too like keep clear of the moors, boys.
1: Yeah, beware the moon. Keep clear yeah. the moors. Clear um, the
0: moors. Yes. Uh, ironically, with another big dog. Um, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, Baskerville uh, Hugo Baskerville uh, rides out after her to find this girl who's escaped, and his friends follow him a little bit. Um, his friends ri- they ride and ride. Um, and again, we have, again, on this soundstage yeah, where they built up this yeah. thing, we have a guy full gallop riding a horse, which is just impressive. Because if you've ever been on a horse galloping, like, yeah, that's scary. But, like, the scary thing is, like, they don't just stop. Like, it takes a second to stop. So you really right, have to, like, right. make sure you don't run through the other side of the soundstage. Um, not the not the least dangerous thing in the world you could do as a, as a stunt actor. Um, uh, his friends find the girl dead. And... Um, and then they see Baskerville in kind of the distance being mauled by this dog um this humongous giant dog
1: which is it's terrifying um the uh it's, you know up until this point i i'd not really consider like dude he he kind of gets what he should get well you know? yeah that's the idea like, right yeah i mean i mean but in, they you know they kind of play it like oh it's this awful curse on on the baskervilles cuz the huge like but no dude like you stole you kidnapped this woman, she escapes, you go after her. Yes. And you get mauled by this, and, and, this yeah. huge hound.
0: And the like, poor girl gets right mauled by the, a dog so, too. She didn't do anything Yeah, that, yeah. right, right. So um, right. Well I, yeah. yeah, but
1: double edged. The lion.
0: implication is, you know, the injustice is that now this this hound has stalked all the descendants of, of, of Hugo right. Baskerville. So I guess I guess Hugo actually had kids already before he decided to kidnap this wench and make her his his sure. girl. Yeah. Um, uh, and and obviously, that's that's sort of the injustice because they didn't, they're they're not guilty of the things that their ancestor what did, but yet his crimes right. brought this down on all of them. Um, guilty by association. Yeah,
1: you know, one thing I thought about was kind of funny. Um, throughout the whole sequence of the the flashback, like Doctor Mortimer's, you know, yeah, essentially reading this, right? And so they have the like the shot of like Hugo and that's like superimposed over like the document like the pages yeah yeah flipped and it's like dude this thing's like 20 pages it, and he just like keeps flipping it and keeps flipping it he he does, <laughs> and 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 adwill says like oh let,
0: let me read it to you it won't take long and i'm like it looks like it would take right. a long time that looks like <laughs> right, a big right. um this is a document yeah. dr mortimer says he has found um uh among among the 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 late Charles Baskerville's things and that this is what he's relating to. So, so he's, um, uh, he, cause he also lives on the moors near, you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, near the Baskervilles. Um, uh, they, you know, they kind of dismiss him. Um, uh, and, but, but he notes that he had a dog because there's dog, there's bite marks on a stick and will yeah. sort of plays this very guilty like oh well I don't have a yeah. dog he's like well do you have bite marks on your stick he's like well I had a dog but it was a little tiny dog uh, and so again we' ju- we just keep just by the nature of how suspicious they're all acting um it's great because because we, yeah, we keep you guessing yeah. and it also distracts from who turns out to be the real villain who is uh, you know uh, okay so so spoilers it's 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 John Stapleton it's it's mm. uh and who's going to factor in the story more and more and more? Um, who's young and handsome and well spoken and gregarious and friendly, you know, and not gaunt and spooky looking like John Carradine, and not doesn't wear these, you know, really thick Coke bottle glasses that make him look odd, like a fish in an aquarium, like Lionel like Apple the, does. You know, I
1: swear they're the, the same glasses he wears in. Uh, I was going to say the Mad Doctor of Market Street, the or,
0: Return of um, Doctor X.
1: Or the yeah, of yeah. yeah, yeah. One of those. I had a note of that. Yeah. yeah. I
0: was like, are those the same glasses yeah. he wore in that one? Because they look similar. And I don't know how exactly Adwell could see anything that he was doing. It seems like he would just be <laughs> hey, looking hey. through a magnifying glass at everything. Yeah. Um hopefully he never didn't have to do anything like negotiate stairs or, or anything with that. Um, uh, sure. um they, they dismiss uh Mortimer and uh Sherlock Holmes picks up his violin and Watson complains like, "Oh, you're not going to start sawing away on that thing again." So, so in the stories, Holmes famously plays the violin, and depending on which story you read, and depending on which version, you know, of of the a film version of the stories you're watching, Great. he either played it well or really not well. Um, and and in this one, there's there's kind of an implication that he's. He like he plays the violin so he can think about whatever mystery he's trying to solve mentally. Right? It's like it's like a distraction technique that he uses to clear his mind and, and let it wander until he solves his thing. Um. So maybe the fact that if he plays really beautifully or not doesn't matter to him because <laughs> he's his mind's yeah. elsewhere. But obviously, it matters to everyone around him because they're like, "Oh, geez." Um. I think I think in Grey Mouse well, Detective, he he's he's terrible the... at playing it. Right? Isn't that the joke yeah, that Basil's yeah, yeah. terrible? Yeah, he's terrible at playing. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, he like picks up the the violin and you know, um, Watson makes that remark and then Holmes looks at him and smirks. Yes, and it's like ah, oh, good, good old Watson. Watson like, yeah, like I'm doing this to yeah, I'm doing it to tick you yeah, off. Yeah, as it's, much all, as I'm it's doing almost to, he's he's you know.
0: so I think that it will be bouncing back and forth all these different iterations, guys. I think like I think the Sherlock story really uh, the whole idea of like he calls him a psychopath and he's like, no, I'm a high functioning sociopath. Really nails <laughs> yeah, yeah. the the Holmes character. Um, uh. Basil Rathbone loved Nigel Bruce's iteration as 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 Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he thought it was great. He, yes, it's goofy. It's it's more. We'll get through this now. Like like Watson in this film is a lot more capable than he gets in latter versions. I just watched the Scarlet Claw, and I'm pretty sure Watson's main contribution at the end of the movie is he trips on something and falls and distracts the <laughs> the killer. I think. Um, right. Right. He. And, and, and it's something that when I was younger, having read the stories and then watching these movies, it bugged me. It bugged me what a clown Watson was because Watson in the stories is not a clown. He's, um, no. he's a guy. So Watson in the stories and as well as in, 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 uh, in Sherlock, I like how they, they do this with, uh, with what's his name's character who plays Watson. Martin, Freeman. Martin Freeman. Yeah. Uh, he's a veteran, uh, of, of the Afghan yeah, wars. Yeah. Um, uh, he's the guy who packs the heat. So whenever Holmes needs a backup, he's like, you know, Watson, I need you bring your gun. Cause Holmes in the books, very rarely. in these movies, he sort of does use a gun quite often. Cause it gets a little more adventurous. Right. in the books. He very rarely uses any arms. He's, he's a, he's a martial artist. He's, he's sort of one of the early versions of a, a Western character. Who's also a martial artist. Mm. Um, uh, but he's not; he doesn't travel around gunned up, and that's kind of what he depends on Watson for. Watson's also his biographer. The stories, the the Sherlock yes. Holmes stories, are written ostensibly by John Watson, chronicling his friend's adventures and 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 the way he solves these these amazing mysteries. And Holmes, for his part, doesn't ever want publicity, and he kind of derides the fact that Watson writes these very lurid, what he thinks is lurid mm-hmm. accounts of of his adventures. He plays them down. So, um. So the idea that, that that Nigel Bruce played him as such a buffoon always kind of bugged me a little bit when I was younger and yeah. still maybe yeah. does a
1: bit. Um, I wonder, you know, um, I was listening to an episode I'm trying to play catch up with um, with you guys on uh, Borgo Pass mm. and I was listening... Which episode was it today? Um, oh, it was uh, Abbott and Costello meet the killer board oh, right off on. and... You you mention a lot. Um, you know, it was a big Hollywood trope at this point to have, you know, um, the straight guy and right. uh, the bumbling idiot. Yeah, and that's. I, I wonder as these progress, like all fourteen of these films, Watson becomes more like, like that comedic relief plot. Domain. Right, right, right. Not he's not a he's not a dummy, but he's just kind of well, stumbles upon things by accident. And oh wow, like. Dear me, I wasn't expecting that. And, yeah, he he gets know, to the
0: point where he's he's not just sort of not clever. You start wondering if there's maybe something a little wrong with him. Like he he seems <sighs> right. he seems unbelievably dense. You're like, why would yes. he even? You know, um, but yeah. but back to R- Rathbone really liked uh, how affable and likable Nigel Bruce played the character, and mm-hmm. because because he knew the danger of. The danger of almost all any iteration of Sherlock Holmes is that Sherlock Holmes is not honestly, like we were saying, he's not really that likable a character. He exists yeah. in this very cold mental space. He's very detached emotionally, in in the books at least. Um, um, so, so while he's admirable, while he's brilliant, obviously, and he's very heroic and and all that, um, you wonder if he's really someone you would want to be around because he does seem like he's a little abusive and he's a little curt and he's yeah, a little, you know, yeah. uh, elite and, and, and whatever. Um, but but the idea, uh, I think that, that Basil Rathbone said was, you, you know, it, you, but you like Watson and Watson likes Holmes. So you like Holmes because right, of that. Right. Because the guy you like actually yeah. likes Holmes and looks up to him. So, so yeah, so you like Holmes. So I think that's, you know, and again, also, you you do need someone for Holmes to explain how he solved everything too. So you need, you need somebody. It mm-hmm. can't be Holmes by himself because then he has no one to explain yeah, right. how brilliant he is. No too. No so time. yeah, it's important. Yeah. So. Yeah. so, um, we, uh, back to the movie. We now, we meet Richard Green playing Sir Henry Baskerville. Richard Green was top billed in the film. This is the only mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes of this series. And I think maybe any series where Sherlock with the the actor playing Sherlock Holmes didn't get top billing, which is, uh, but Henry Greenwood, I think, I don't know him much. He, he did a lot of war films for 20th century Fox. I looked him up mm-hmm. and stuff. So he doesn't do anything. He, he doesn't dip his toe anywhere in like the horror realm. So, you know, my brain just shuts off. Sorry. <laughs> just, just goes, right. Whatever. right. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Richard who? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Good looking lug. No. Um, yeah. so, so, uh, but but he was a, a bit of a young phenomenon i think he's like 26 or something when he does this film so he was a guy 20th century fox really liked so they they popped him on top cuz he's young and dashing and all that fun stuff so um makes sense uh and he is in, and henry baskerville is a key character i mean the whole mystery is about henry baskerville it all revolves around him so right, um, right. he's back from canada uh, on on the on the ship and he's really again he's really affable he's really, he's a likeable guy um he's met by dr mortimer um who, you know, picks him up in his carriage from the docks and he's going to take him back um, uh, as they're riding uh, uh, rocks thrown through the window of the carriage and it's got a note on it and it's got all these it what would become very common that we, we see in, in latter movies and latter era stories is like the, all the letters are cut named, out of uh,
1: Jim Carrey's Riddler. <laughs> yes
0: yeah they're all cut out of i think the note different. says like
1: as you value your life for your reason keep away from the more yes and it's like newspaper clippings yeah
0: yeah yeah fun. yeah he's bored out um with the exception so so all the letters are cut and words are cut out of new the the london times with the exception of more which when they they go to meet sherlock holmes and show him the note he he deducts it obviously more is not a very common word so the 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 criminal had to write which sort of defeats the purpose of doing the, going all the I, trouble with the note. If you're right. going to use your own handwriting anyway, although they use like... <laughs> right. Anyway.
1: I kind of had to laugh when he, you know, uh, Holmes says like, more is not a common word. And I'm like, what well, wait, wait a minute, buddy. <laughs> like, you're talking to a bunch of horror movie nerds now. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. More, uh, We are very aware of, we, of what a, we mores are. <laughs> we use that word quite a,
0: quite a bit more than the average person. Right, this right. is true. It's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, um. So yeah, Henry, Henry, and Doctor Mortimer are back at the at their hotel, and 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 Holmes and Watson meet them there. Um, Mortimer's been or uh, Henry's been told the the legend of the the thing. Um, Holmes the whole time never really believes in in this this myth of this
1: hmm.
0: monstrous, you know, spectral hound that has haunted the the Bass Girls for all the, all these years. He's a man of reason, and he doesn't for a minute. He's from the beginning, he's looking at a, for a logical explanation of what what this right. is, and and again, you know the 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 great thing about the stories and and these this this version definitely of the move this movie version of of and series of of the stories is that you're never inside Holmes's head, and Holmes is always way ahead of the audience. Mm-hmm. We're we're closer to where Watson is the whole time trying to catch up. And this is what makes Holmes seem so brilliant. We're not, we never understand his reasoning until he explains how he arrived at this amazing conclusion. You know, the, uh, the other weird thing is that, is that Sir Henry Baskerville's shoes that he left out to be polished. um, He put out a new pair of shoes and one of the shoes disappeared and they mm-hmm. think that's strange. And later on, the that shoe comes back, and they they take a, an older pair of shoes. They 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 steal one of his. Someone steals one of his shoes, and it's one of those innocuous things that he just thinks, "Well, that's just weird." But maybe that's just maybe that's just how it's done in England. You know, he's been in Canada for a while, where nobody steals your shoes. Who knows, um, right? <laughs> but that obviously plays into into uh, uh, the 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 mystery uh, going on. Um, this is where he sends him away to, to have Doctor Mortimer tell him the story to, tell. Yeah, the yeah, whole story yeah. about things. He's like, you go do this. And this will be very interesting. Go go on, and then he and Watson are going to follow them. Um, the whole time Holmes is because here's the here's the problem Holmes has is that Sherlock Holmes is famous. He's a celebrity, uh, you know, in the books and yeah. in and within yeah. the world of this this film. So people know who he is. People recognize him, and therefore it's hard for him to go about. Uh, incognito and not noticed and not draw attention so he throughout the film which is it's very fascinating he he does he does several different things he, he pretends he goes away and he doesn't he disguises himself later on in the film to um so that he can be like an observer of what's going on rather than have all the the focus turn on to him and in this case yeah they're following them and they see someone in a carriage about to point a gun at them about to fire them and he shouts out and Keeps the guy from firing, and the carriage
1: mm-hmm.
0: rolls off. Um,
1: but it's like he fully anticipated that was going to happen.
0: That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's not. You know, Holmes isn't psychic, and he's not. He doesn't have any kind of extra normal powers. He's just so intelligent that that he's almost psychic. Because you feel like you feel like he's doing the math of like what the eventualities of mm-hmm. possibilities of things could be, and all the different possible you know timelines or you know whatever. It's almost like like Doctor Strange does or something in in right, Avengers, right. and then. <laughs> so 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 things so he anticipates things that you wouldn't know how he would do that, but he does that just because of his mental yeah, acuity. Um uh um they they what I I love this scene where they, they're back there and more and and Sir Henry's been told the story. Um he calls it a bogey story, which I think I think bogey story is it's the same root as boogeyman. It's the same yeah yeah yeah, yeah uh source of 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 the word. So um uh, Henry, you know, dismisses it. Henry also, you know, he's been living in Canada, so he doesn't believe in ghost stories either, right? He's been living in like the civilized world, <laughs> so he's like, uh, come right, on, right. Uh, um, because it's because these people are not from England; they're down in Devonshire, which is which is, by the way, south of Wales. It's like that very bottom left tip of Great Britain. It pretty much as close to Canada as you can get. That's that's that part right. of. it. So it's these people are not to the whatever.
1: south of Lanwelly.
0: Yes, exactly. It is, it is. It would be due south of of Lanwelly village, yeah. you're right. Um they're not bumpkins, but
1: they're they they're country folk. They're not urban dwellers. Um you know. You know, and they also we'll we'll get to this part. There there's like a a séance scene. Mm-hmm. And this is like a high like high point of like spiritualism being yeah. really really uh you know, prevalent throughout the culture. So, you know, I think there's that, oh, like, button up your coat when you go out, like it's, you know... Right. There's bogeys out there. Right, right, Um, exactly. Yeah.
0: Dr. Moore, I mean, we'll later find out Dr. Moore is a doctor who also dabbles in the occult. So, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not... And and I was going to get to that. So, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle himself was a believer in the supernatural. Uh, He was a believer. He went to seances and he did this. And that was actually... Arthur Conan Doyle and... Henry, uh, Harry Houdini were, were really good friends for a long time. Um, and they had a falling out after Harry. Wow. Tangent. Ha- after Harry Houdini's mother, mother died, Harry Houdini started going to seances to see if he could, cause he was very, very close to his mother, like very, very close to his mother. Um, um <laughs> maybe a little, yeah, you know, um,
1: too, right, too right. close
0: to mommy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, he kept going to seances to, uh, Harry Houdini was obviously a a famous escape artist and and magician, in case anyone doesn't know that. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Another kind of superstar of of his era. Um, He started going to seances to see if he could make contact with his mother. And he started realizing that most seances were were total hokum and, Mm -hmm. and were tricking people and fleecing them out of their money. And he dedicated himself to actually going around after that and exposing the tricks because he knew all these tricks being you know, the X-8 and person he was, right. um, the, his own kind of illusion. So he, he dedicated himself to exposing all these people. Um, and that caused, uh, that, that was a rift between he and Conan Doyle who like, who believed in fairy photography and all sorts of like, um, for a guy who invented probably the most cold, mental, the logical, logical <laughs> character. Conan, yeah. Conan Doyle himself was actually believed in a lot of fantastic things. So it's interesting. Um, uh, they, uh Watson tracks down the guy who was driving the cab that the, the guy who could, tried to shoot um, uh, Henry uh, was, was riding in, and he brings him back, and it's E.E. E. Clive is, is the cabbie, I which is e. great because it's E.E. E. Clive from, from Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, Dragon's Daughter, and yeah. he's got that great accent yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he's fantastic in this. Um, he's all eaten away. He's all he's all eaten away. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, mustache acting. He was really good at mustache mm-hmm. acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In in that one, he had that big one at least. Um uh so that's um uh uh it's a fun you know, again, uh for a twentieth century Fox film, it's funny how many universal stand standbys universal, yeah. show up yeah it's it's great who, who would go this on is,
1: to you know this is probably the first 20th century fox film that the past has covered i you know
0: believe so yes yeah i don't think so i can't
1: imagine 20th century fox did much of anything Horrible. They, they they really did They they, they did war like
0: movies the, they did they did uh, the a, pen a, pen pen. a lot of different stuff yeah exactly um uh, for sure. Um, I neglected to mention that, so I I did, when I worked on uh, the Reba McIntyre show back in the beginning of my career here in Hollywood, uh, I worked at 20th Century Fox and this street that, that they follow Sir Henry down where the guy tries to shoot him is currently, it's it's New York Street uh, down there. So I've actually oh. been on this street on the back lot. That's and awesome. it's, it's super cool. It, it looks more like contemporary. Actually, it doesn't even look like contemporary New right. York. It looks like 70s New York, like or 80s, like like action TV show New York, but yeah, it's there basically that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. It's got a great like a. It's got like a one street that goes down and kind of hooks left, just to like a 45 degree angle, and then meets another. And and I can see that's exactly that hasn't changed. That's the same as it was there. And it just mm. it's spectacular. It looks totally like period London in this. It's great uh, with all the fog, obviously, which which we've we've now found that the London fog wasn't really fog. It was actually the smog from all the the industrial <laughs> mills and once all that that right. manufacturing kind of went away like london's very clear now so that was just that was man-made <laughs> it was man-made in the film obviously but it was man-made in right. real life too is my point. um <laughs> right, right. yeah anyway uh so uh the the plan holmes's plan is to send uh sir henry down to uh down to D- dartmoor um with with Doctor Mortimer and send Doctor Watson with them. He says he he's unable to uh, come right now because he's working on a blackmail case. Um, but we have the you know obviously the uh, idea that that's maybe not the case. Um, uh, uh, so so Doctor Watson's going to go with them. Uh, take his gun. He's going to sort of be his bodyguard and he's going to send Holmes messages every every day, like updating him on like what he's discovered and what he's found. So so this is that whole like. You know Watson Watson's adventure in, in in part of part of the movie, which is really kind of cool. Um, uh, Nigel Bruce gets to kind of shine and get to be kind of a little bit of an action hero himself, which is which is it's fun to see. Um, uh, we get our first really good view of the Dartmoor set of of the the, the mug, and it's just. With the, f- I'm just, I, I know I go on and on about this, but the bare trees and the fog and the low ground and the yeah. forced perspective distance and stuff, it has so much depth. It's, it's, we, uh, you know, we were just talking before we started recording how much it's, it's looks like the Wolfman. I mean, it really just looks like the Wolfman, which uh, geographically yeah. it's, it's, it's only a hundred miles away from where the Lenwelly village Brent. would have been set. So it makes sense. Yeah. It's supposed to be the same thing. Um, um, uh, uh, the the moors are home to to uh, the Great Grimpen Mire, which the
1: Grimpen Mire,
0: which, which I had a I had an English <laughs> teacher in in high school who was fond of this, saying things like Great Grimpen Mire, you know, it was <laughs> it, it was just randomly Desdemonia! like he would just throw out these phrases from literature and and to sounds and,
1: like Yukon Cornelius, y- from yes, uh, <laughs> Rudolph yeah. the Red Nosed Reindeer, he would
0: just kind of <laughs> dare you to identify it. It was funny, um, right? Right. Um, uh, I, my favorite part about this is, is that Dr. Mortimer, they pass all these hinges, right? Like Stonehenge, but they're, you know, other yeah. Neolithic structures. And Dr. Mortimer thinks that they used to be houses and not, like, you know, religious centers, like, as they right, as they were. Right, so right. so Dr. Mortimer is obviously a better MD than he is an archaeologist. Um, later on, Beryl, like, <laughs> like, like takes, takes her any for a thing, and she identifies yeah. them perfectly as what they are. So she's oh, have, yeah, more knowledgeable right, about right. it than he is about, like, Neolithic man. Um, yeah. Uh uh they they get they finally get to to Baskerville Hall, um which is it me it, it looks the the main room of Baskerville Hall with the stairs going up right looks almost like the set of horror of Dracula with Christopher Lee. It's it's yeah. it's vaguely okay. really similar. It's funny. I, I don't know if that was just a standard way they would build sets, because obviously that one was built in England and this one was you know England. in 20th right, Century right. Fox. So it's not obviously the same set and they're they're decades spread apart. Um uh having mentioned that there there's obviously a, another famous version of of the hound of the Baskervilles with peter cushing and christopher lee peter in it cushing. um right. i haven't seen it in a while and i purposely didn't watch it in preparation for this episode because i do love it i think it's great but i i just didn't want to mix the, the two up and start trying to remember which version is which and mm-hmm. stuff so i i purposely didn't see it but i i'm not omitting talking about that version it's not like i don't like it i think it's great i'm just i'm trying to we're obviously focused on this one right here um i'm sure there's another podcast out there somewhere that's gone into great depth on the the hammer version of uh uh, uh what's that like the 1957 or something i'm not sure what year mm-hmm. that is but later right on, of, right of, uh, that's that some 50s um, yeah. yeah um uh we get our first i this is my thing where I, I you get our our really first uh good look at at um uh, Either Malion or whatever as 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 mm-hmm. Mrs. And, and na- the, I swear, when I was little, I was like, is 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 Mrs. Barrymore actually John Carradine in drag? Like their faces are so <laughs> similar. It's really funny. She's, um,
1: it's like her face has been chiseled out. of Yeah, marble. <laughs> yeah, she's
0: she's fascinating and so. And I think she, you know, it's funny that I didn't, I never recognized her as 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 the character from. Um, from Shuf of London. Um she's great. I think I think she did the accent in that one more than more than she has in here. There's a lot of people with Scottish accents here, which it we are as South England as we possibly can be, so I'm not sure why anybody <laughs> right. would be Scottish because you're as far away from Scotland as you can get and still be in Great Britain. But who knows?
1: Maybe they moved around. Well, I, I guess know. he he uh, you know, Franklin probably sued everybody back in Scotland. <laughs> he so did. Yeah. He, they they kicked <laughs> they kicked him out to the clan. Yeah, yeah. Gave <laughs> <Go> South. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, back um when when barry barryman's leading them up to their rooms um i made yeah. note of this when i was watching it the other day he mentioned something like keep close like uh the, the staircase are not safe or something right bad. and i immediately was like young frankenstein like stay close to the candles the staircase <laughs> yes. can be treacherous <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i'm like i i had that- to make sure that young Frankenstein was, was
0: reference. Thank you sense. for referencing young Frankenstein. Yes, I was worried we weren't going to get. Take a it. shot when I was. Yeah, when I was making my notes, I was worried that we were, no one was going to reference young Frankenstein in this movie. We we finally managed to. Um, uh, we got it. Yeah. Uh, so Watson is writing his notes and his accounts of what's happening and sending it back to Holmes. So I just want to like. There's a lost art of of. Well penmanship in general, I think, because yes. I, I mean my handwriting used to be great, and then once the digital age came in, my handwriting is now <laughs> un- absolutely. It's just a mess when I try and like write a note to something. Um, uh, but there was this you know this is lost art of like the, the shot of someone who's writing a note and then it goes over the shoulder and it goes down and you see, I think it's quite often not the actor. I think they probably the had people right, right. do yeah. like kind of hand doubling who who had very good. Script or whatever you want to call it, cursive writing, whatever. Um, um, But it is kind of this lost art. And having, I tried to do this in one of my early films. I tried to do the thing where it went over my shoulder and I'm writing and trying to write it like it's a period thing. And it's really hard to do. It's hard to yeah. it's 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 like it's like trying to type when someone's watching you. Like I can type super fast because I'm a writer, so you know I can I can fly on a keyboard. But the minute someone's watching me yeah. type, I can't type worth the damn. I'm, oh, don't, I, I'm it do goes away. Yeah, yeah I'm self conscious <laughs> about it, and I feel like writing right, would be right. the same way. So you have to find like really good people. And it, obviously, it's a dip pen, so it's like a a quill tip and, yeah. and you know a nib or something. I've
1: I've tried to use those, and mm. I'm left handed, and it is impossible.
0: Oh yeah, it probably it doesn't work to, for you. Yeah, 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 no, because they're not made okay. to really do it do it that way. Yeah, that's interesting. Um yeah. yeah I came up doing some comic book illustrations and stuff so like the quill pen was something you did learn how to how to work with um I never was something i I mastered by any means uh, um Watson has really cool looking like smoking jackets and stuff he's got these cool like like yeah. a, it makes me think I need to get maybe a look in a smoking jacket because it's really like a robe yeah, I, it's got I the agree. collar yeah, yeah they're really snazzy
1: um you'd look good with that I'm with to, with you know, your with up, your cane I'd try to with, a cane, With your Wolfman yeah. cane, yeah, yeah. yeah, Wolf cane, yeah. <laughs> um, this, you know, the one Watson's wearing in it—it's very reminiscent of uh, of Jack Griffin's and in the Invisible. That's
0: man. interesting. It is a bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Invisible Man who who rocks a smoking jacket like none other. Uh, right <laughs> of, of all the Universal monsters, yes, we've talked about that. The best, um, yeah. definitely. St- I mean, you got to like we said in the in the Invisible Man episode, like if you can't if you can't show your face, you got to be stylish with your wardrobe, right? <laughs> right, right. You know, what else are you going to do? Um, it, it turns out that someone's at this door and it turns out it's Sir Henry um, and Watson almost shoots him. And he's, he's the, one of the three heroic characters that Watson almost shoots within the context of the film. Uh, Watson's trigger discipline is awful for someone who's been in the military. <laughs> right. His finger's right on the trigger all the time pointing his gun yeah. at people yeah. um, before he's sure who's shooting. Because uh, it seems like if you're in... Well, well, the door's just opening without anyone knocking it, but it still seems like it's possible to be one of the servants or something, so, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I, and it's funny, I remember thing, like, when that door finally opens and it's uh, it's Henry. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he has like a very legitimate reason for yeah. The, uh, there's a guy there protecting him, but it's like he could
0: have not. Yeah, 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 but it's a, it gives it gives right. the film
1: a good scare. It's good. Yeah.
0: Um, the the two men go out in the hallway. Sir Henry's heard something. They go out in the hallway in their robes and they find Berryman, the butler signaling out the window with a candle. This is a big factor in the in the uh, mm-hmm. in the story that, that the servant guy is, is there doing doing a, a signaling with a candle. Um. Berryman makes an excuse that he's just making the, the door show the door shut. And this is again why this is why you hire John Carradine to do this, because now you're really suspicious because it's John Carradine doing right. this. So he's right. obviously
1: up and He design. doesn't have shoes on. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. He's barefoot. <laughs> it's like, there's something wrong about the situation. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And we do find out the reason for this later on. That and it's not totally nefarious. It's it's there's a reason. Um they send Barrymore to bed. Uh uh Watson sort of figures out like oh He's the one. Who's, he's like, oh, he was signaling to someone, obviously, and they look out and they see there's another light far off in the distance across the moor, and Watson holds the light up and kind of signals back to him, thereby sort of you know cracking the code, right? Um, uh, right.
1: Which Henry wouldn't have thought to do
0: that. So, well, yeah, exactly. Mad props to to Doctor Watson. Doctor, that's know? right. You
1: know, exactly. He thought of.
0: I mean, that. this guy did go to medical school. I mean, you can't. He can't be a. He can't be a dummy. He's. just, I'm sorry, right, right. like. Which is what, he's when he, when he becomes really,
1: as a problem solver.
0: Yeah. When he becomes really bumbling, it makes you wonder about his patients. Like if he's that clumsy right. in real life, like <laughs> mm, maybe, mm. I mean, he's, he's a 19th century doctor. So he just probably prescribes like cocaine and tells you to like, you <laughs> right. know, go home and sleep off the, 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 the yeah. noirs or whatever. Yeah, exactly. you no, will be fine in the morning. Go- yeah. What's the, what's the meme about it? you have ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. 18th century medicine. Um, yeah. Uh. Uh. So. Uh. So they they figure out. Oh yeah. There's someone out there. He's signaling. Watson. Now. Now we were just talking about how clever Watson. is But his plan is. Well, we should go out and start there and find him. Now Watson's job <laughs> is to be there and protect <laughs> Sir Henry. Right. And, but his solution is let's get dressed and run him. into the moors after some, yeah. we don't at know night. who at night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's maybe not the best plan. Um. They run Wait, out. How, how close
1: are we to the Grim and Meyer? Yes.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, this is a territory neither of them are familiar with either, by the way, and we, we, we that, that factors in later on. Um uh the Bear, the berrymans see them leaving and they're like, uh oh, because they know. So mm-hmm. um what what we do find out eventually in the film, and I'll just jump ahead a bit, is that is that this this guy signaling to them is uh Mrs. Berryman's brother and he's an escaped convict from the prison uh who's been living on the moors and the Berryman mrs berryman especially but mr berryman helping his wife <clears throat> have been kind of keeping him clothed and feeding him and 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 keeping him safe there as he lives in some of these neolithic huts that these ruins that are still there um because the, the obviously he's an escaped convict cops are after him and you know uh, he's a murderer right i mean it's they say like, he's a murderer yeah, yeah
1: yeah i believe so and yeah. and a pickpocket mm-hmm. you know he doesn't he pickpocket charles well he tries he to yeah he tries to rob his body after yeah his that's dead. right he yeah, tries yeah. To. yeah um so, 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 so this guy's a red herring shot, too like, right he's definitely the red herring we get the shot when he sees um watson and henry and he still has his cut like on his face yeah and he's super grimy greasy he's he kind of reminds me of Karloff made up as morgan the butler oh and, yeah um Old dark house. I, I, I was going to say
0: Lugosi life. and Son of Dracula too, but yeah, exactly. Like he's got yeah. that shaggy. Yeah. He looks like a caveman. He's he's gone feral. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and he he throws a rocket at them, and they kind of barely escape it. And this is the moment where, where Sir Henry starts getting ready to chase him across the moors, and and Watson's like, "What are you doing? Are you crazy? Like, well, they're already out here, yeah. but." This, right. this is the moment where, where, where crazy. I think Watson figures out like, you know what? This is not a good idea. Let's, 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 yeah. let's hold up a minute. Um, again, I'm just going to keep going back to like these more sets where they're, they're climbing up these rocks and these aren't real rocks. These are, yeah. they they've ma- yeah. made these out of plaster and wood and everything in there. They support the weight of a person and they're, they're beautiful. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he kept them up, 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 up keeping. And I'm sure their shoes would scratch it and the paint off and they had to repaint them <laughs> and stuff. But, you know, this Morissette only existed for this film in in its totality they probably preserved little pieces of it i would assume cuz they they're they're you know they can use it for other things it's just like we see universal reuses reuses things but like mm-hmm. but it's like the cemetery in uh, bride of frankenstein when the monsters like you know knocking over the the statues um, right, it's these amazing, beautiful pieces that only exist for a moment it, during when they're filming these movies, and then they go away. They they're torn down and destroyed and discarded, and and you're just like, man, for just a second, this just, you know, you wish that you do wish there was more. I I keep this keeps coming up where I keep saying like, you know, like doing these talk about these films that are 80, 90 years old now or whatever. Um, it's getting to be more like archaeology because the people who made these are all gone. The craftsmen, the actors, the writers, whoever. Um, the the stories about some of these, you know, sure, like the stories of of the making of Frankenstein are really prevalent, but the stories of making a film like this are not as there, and there's not as mm-hmm. much documentation. Um, there's not as many behind the scenes, you know, photos or anything. So, you know, we can only speculate. And then you look back at this moment where you're like, I wonder what that looked like in color with the lights on and no fog. I wonder yeah, if it if yeah. it looked at all real or if it only worked. Once they made it black and once on they shot it in black white. and white yeah. or once they fogged yeah. it up, yeah, exactly. But it, but it does work. I mean, it never. There's never a moment where any of this looks like. I'll just go back to She Wolf of London, where some of those park scenes look really, really <laughs> on. It looks like it's on a stage. It's just right. They, they were done quickly. They didn't have this big a budget, and they just kind of came off those scenes in like Bride Frankenstein. Like, there's not not a minute where you're. I mean, you're aware that you're on a set because the backdrop's there and stuff. You, you know, it's stylized, sure. but at the same moment.
1: You don't. You don't question it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You're just like, oh my gosh, that that the 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 telephone pole forest, famous you know scene in Bride of Frankenstein. You're just like, no, that's. I believe you believe in it. You know it's not real, but you believe yeah, it, and that's yeah. that's the case with this. It's just it's just incredible. Um. Uh, as as Watson and and Henry are going back, they hear the howl for the first time, mm-hmm. and Watson in his letter to Holmes, which by the way is in now it was now in a slightly different handwriting. So I'm not sure what right. if it's he's writing it faster this time or if they had to get a different person to write <laughs> so that. I'm sweet, not sure how that yeah. happened. Yeah. Um uh, uh he's he's speculating what is this? Is this and throughout the rest of the, most of the film there there's the speculation is that a bird? Is that is that the, the, the escaped convict howling at the moon like a maniac, you know? Um yeah. Is uh, it
1: a bird? Is it a plane?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um right. exactly. So the next day uh, Watson again is is writing his notes to Holmes, um, and Sir Henry decides to go out for a walk on on the moor uh, and explore his what what is now his you know land. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, he passes Missus Barryman and, and walks, and she's like, oh, <laughs> like like <laughs> like her brother is hiding out in the most inhospitable. Dangerous place he possibly could. I mean, the the great Cribbon mire is like they basically say it's like death to anyone who walks there. Like you're gonna fall into this mire and, and die. Her brother's hiding in the the scariest, most dangerous place possible. Like I said, and and they can't keep people. It's like Disneyland. They can't keep people away from it. They keep they keep exploring. <laughs> right. Like where does he have to go? Um, uh, Watson finds out that that he's gone, and it's like what the hell? Like, you know, now he has, to, he has to go chase him, chase him down. Like he's all frustrated. Um, uh,
1: doing a great job, Watson. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. You get the feeling, you get the feeling partly it's like his sense of duty and partly he's like, I'm going to get in trouble with Sherlock for this. You know, um, again, <laughs> he's going to yell at me. Ugh. This whole second act, no Sherlock Holmes, like no Sherlock. Yeah. Basil Rathbone was off, Which, you know, shooting another film. Why know.
1: he didn't get top billing. Yeah.
0: It do, It does make sense. Yes, exactly. Well, you know um, um so uh, – but but Berryman tells him, oh, oh no, you know, he's gone off across the moor and ho- and Watson dashes out. He leaves the envelope of the letter he's been writing. Berryman looks at it and he sees it's addressed to Sherlock Holmes. So Berryman assumes, I think, that mm. they're here investigating his, his brother-in-law. His uh, brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So,
1: so – there's another great like yeah. all these little plot points coming together it, it keeps you Right? Okay, like, you know, what who who is it what, you know? Yes. Yeah. They do a really good job of of uh keeping you Yeah. And invested. It, and it, yeah.
0: it the movie has simplified the story a little bit. It it's it's taken out a few elements yeah. in the story that are maybe a little bit more add more complication to it, but that's the nature of I don't think it's I don't I mean, I wouldn't say it's dumbed down at all. I think it's just no. it's it's adapted into a, a visual medium and things are going to change and you're going to compress some things so that mm-hmm. you have room for some of the dynamic stuff like all this chasing you know across the moors and stuff we ha- what have you um, uh, obviously wandering across the moor is not a good idea because Miss Baskerville comes like real damn close to f- falling into the great Grimpen Mire and is only stopped <laughs> at the last minute by Beryl Stapleton who is John's stepsister and um, who who is ri- out riding, and she says like, you know, you know, oh, oh, and and John Stapleton has run into uh, Watson, Watson, yeah, yes. yeah, and they're meeting for the first time, and yeah, John John Stapleton is just you know he he's some kind of scientist of, and he's yeah he's charming, he's got his little mustache and stuff, and and what is interesting is they had John Stapleton, uh, play one of the the basketballs, not. Uh, hugo Basketball but he had, they had him play one of the basketballs in the flashback um
1: oh i yeah, didn't catch yeah, that yeah he's okay. the lighter
0: that's awesome f- complexion you know haired guy next to him. Yeah, um yeah. i guess some versions have had the same actor play hugo and the problem with that is that some audience members see see right. see him and right. see him, right. and they put it all together. Right. You're like, oh wait, well, I mean, yeah. these people have not read the read the story, of course, because because the solution to the sure. movie is the same as the story. Um, yes, he introduces he's a bit of a scientist, and and he is what we find out later is he's vaguely related to the Baskervilles. So there, in the event of there being no more actual Baskervilles, he would inherit all the properties and, and, and what have you. And I get, and I guess he would inherit the great crib and Meyer and that's his goal. So that's what everybody wants. Yeah. Everyone wants their own great crib and Meyer, right? That's it's, the
1: prize. It,
0: yeah. It's, it's a good to have your own tar pit in the backyard. Right? right. You know, anything
1: old you don't want, you just toss into the tar pit. Um, yeah. Um, it's kind of like um, uh, the bog and the behind the Bates motel. Yes,
0: exactly. There you go. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Says Ian Bates. Um, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Um, we do have this thing where, uh, yes, sir, Henry and Beryl have met up now and they're talking and Henry is instantly in love with her. Like, like within, you know, the, the, the space of a few seconds and, um, she obviously, you know, has finds him charming too and he's the lord of this you know estate and everything like that so so what we're gonna end up having is like a you know a budding relationship between these two that puts everything uh that john wants kind of kind of it it creates a conflict where it puts everything john wants uh in in jeopardy in a way but in the other way you're like well he's he's her stepbrother so if if she (laughs) married henry wouldn't you know she they have a very close relationship beryl and, yeah. and and John like wouldn't he benefit from that a little bit like it seems like right. I'm just saying it seems yeah. like if he'd been a little more patient and not had to like maybe he's worried that he already has used the hound on somebody, and if that's gonna come out, I don't know, but right, right, but of course, without that, we wouldn't have a mystery, so that's is what has sure. to happen um uh, uh beryl invites henry uh and and Dr. Watson over to their house for dinner. Uh, later on, and Henry's obviously very excited to, to go visit her, uh, he meets John and, you know, da, 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 da. Um, uh, so they're going to go and they're going to have dinner and uh, at their place. And this is where they, they all meet uh, uh, Mr. Franklin, who is Mr. Franklin. <laughs> who is who is suing John Stapleton for body snatching because John was excavating or digging around the ruins and found the skull of a Neolithic man. Um, And, and Mr. Franklin who has no vested interest in any of this still says like, like, nope, that's, that's, that's technically by English law. That's grave robbing. So I'm going to, yeah. And he says, he's like, I'm, I'm dedicated to the public good. That's his rationale for suing everybody.
1: (laughs) I wonder, like, if it if it's not just his shtick. Like, I, I mean, there's no indication that he ever like follows through on the lawsuits. And
0: this is true, right? I, I get right. the
1: impression that he's he's just like a a, a lonely old man. Yeah, that just yeah. wants To have have fun, you know, like making younger yeah, people uncomfortable. threats that, and that's, stuff. Like- that's essentially what, right.
0: I, I think so. He just likes messing
1: with them and all. And they all kind of, like, they kind of all ignore him at some point. They just, like, yeah, look over at him, yeah. and he just keeps talking, and they're like, okay. Right.
0: And it's a, it's a fun, uh, lighter element in the film, it too. Is that that yeah, is that yeah. is That is suffused with, you know, darkness and fog and, and dangerous canines. Um, uh, this is where, as we said before, we, we find out that uh, Dr. Mortimer, dab, he said he dabbles in the occult, which... Vehicle. it's never that's never a good phrase in a movie like no i'm just dabbling no. in the occult like no well that's <laughs> yeah. that's how everyone gets sucked into whatever you know right, just just right. i was just dabbling and then you the next thing you know it's, oh, it's, it's just a ouija board it's, that's all it's the dark of the moon and you're sacrificing <laughs> right. david manners yeah. wife yeah um uh there you go um
1: poor david manners yes take a shot take a
0: shot david manners <laughs> um uh uh, and then, so this is, as, as you said, uh, Ian, this is where we learned that his wife is a medium, and they're, they decide to have a seance where she tries to contact um, – Henry seems very interested, like, ha- have you tried to contact the, the ghost of my father, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sir Charles, and, and try to, to communicate with him and, and find out what happened to him? Because, you know, again, again, they all know he died on the moor of a heart attack, but the circumstances that led him there are – Still in, in some question, and I think I think Sir Henry is is wondering about it too. Um, uh, so they have this thing, but their seance is is interrupted by this howling from outside, and the howling, um, throughout, throughout the rest of the like the howling really has an effect on Beryl on 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 uh you know Sir Henry's kind of love interests that it really upsets her. Like for some reason she has this connection to it, and I don't know if that is I haven't read this story in a little while, and I don't know if maybe there's a Reason that Barrow is so affected uh, by it, or if it's just right. in the context of this film, it's because she's a woman in a film in 1939, and you know, therefore,
1: a little and more. A yeah. hound howl yes. is, is frightening. Yeah, yes, it, it's a little odd. You know, it's like why? If she has no tie to you know the Baskerville. Yeah, uh, outside of so so, why would you know? Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, I do. I really love the. Uh, the seance scene. They moot oh, yeah. it up. You know, they dim the lights. Right. There's a lot of really good portrait shots, like, of Watson, like, with his eyes. And he's watching um, Miss Mortimer's hands. And uh, they do a lot of close-up shots. And um, seances, they wig me out. <laughs> in, <laughs> in movies. That's in cool. In films. Like, I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, they do the seance early on in Penny Dreadful in that TV yes, show. Yes, yes, yeah,
0: with... Um, and it's horrible Eva, 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 Green, Eva Green, Eva Green and, yeah, 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 she's fantastic in that. Yeah, um, that's a scary one. She's great in that.
1: And then they do... Uh, it's not really a seance, but it reminds me of um, of Hereditary, where, uh, mm. you know, she, she asks the... Um, it's been a while since I've watched that movie, but she asks her friend, um, the friend of her mom who, who passed away, she's like, have you talked to, you know... They do the whole bit, like, right. talking, have, have you contacted my mom? And I'm just, like, pulling my hair out, like, don't do it. Like, yeah. so, you know, it's not, of course, it's 1939, and it's not that same level of stress. Yes, but yes. But whenever they do seances, I'm yeah. still like, yeah. ah, ah, I'm going to panic. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
0: well, well. There's, the, there's this, the idea is in, in some of the occult that, that this idea that once you open that door, yeah. You can't close it again. You don't again. know what's going to come through. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but like that that door is open now. So not only what you're trying to get to communicate is is has access, but other things I do and everything. So there's this all. You know, the idea. I think what's scary about the seance thing is like the the threat of of people dabbling in something that that they think they understand, but maybe they don't have yeah. a well a good appreciation of the danger of. And there's always that possibility of it going. Going wrong, going haywire, going out of control, off the rails, sure. what have you?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, I guess they uh, they lucked out because they didn't uh, they didn't conjure a, uh, a skeleton holding a bleeding box they, like a night. Monster. They <laughs> did not. Oddly <laughs> enough, that's right. Here's a reference back to Night Monster. Our, yeah, our, our, there uh, we go. our
0: thing we did and stuff. That's right. That was a good yeah. one. Um, that was a fun one to guys. That uh, Night Monster, along with fifty plus other episodes, is uh, are all available.
1: Available for streaming now. For streaming now
0: and on your favorite <laughs> uh, podcast app.
1: Yes, along with everything.
0: Um, uh, this might be our sixtieth episode. I'm not sure. I have, to, I have to redo the count, and I'm never. Wow, I'm never awesome. sure if like the two part wow. episodes should count. Like because we've done like two part uh, King, Kong, King Kong and two part House of Frankenstein, Bride, Frankenstein, Bride Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if those yeah. count as it as two episodes or just one really long two part. Who knows? Uh, count um, them as two. Count I, them as two. I, we should count them as two. We should give ourselves credit. I, yeah. I agree. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, the next day, uh, Beryl and, and Henry are going to go riding together and she's going to, you know, show him around the moor, uh, safely because she knows where, where to, where to ride and where, where not to. Um, and this is where, again, she, she evidences this actually, pre- which I think is based on the fact that her brother is a bit of an archeologist. So she, you know, she has learned through him, like a lot of this, this, uh, th- this, this information, um, uh. Uh, Wendy Berry's great in this. Wendy Berry is someone else who I don't know from almost anything else because she wasn't in any any other films with monsters right. in them. So, but she did. She's she just just like um, just like uh, Morton Lowry who plays John Stapleton had like a big career and they did lots of films and you know adventure movies and uh uh war films and stuff. 20th century fox was they did a lot of war movies during the war so i mean everyone yeah. did but but they really did so a lot of these these actors ended up doing a lot of those, i just love films. like
1: the the non-universal actors and actresses i'm like i don't know who you are nope nope <laughs> just and it's, it's so funny like just another face i'm you know yeah you're just another face and i'm sure you're wonderful but uh i have not recognized you since you know yes like all the you know it's so funny to me that I'll be
0: I'll be doing my EE e. Clive uh, film marathon now. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, like right. we know we know the most random <laughs> These small are household bit part names guys to me. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be uh, renting man, my my I'll Dwight Fry omnibus. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, it it is funny. I I always say like I said like there's just there's only so much room up there, and you know you've, you've you, we focus on the stuff that we like, and you know again this yeah. is this is a bit of a and it, this isn't a technically a horror movie so you know we do we are we're stepping across the aisle just a little bit into into this um uh but anyway she she is great and she's lovely in this as well and you you get like him falling for you. you're like no I, I i get you know um there you know he, he's he's absolutely charmed by her and to the point where you know she's she kind of says like i wish i wish you were weren't here and he's like, Well, don't say that. And she's like, No, I just wish you were somewhere where you'd be safe because she has this kind of worry about what's going to happen to him. And he's like, Well, I'm never going anywhere without you ever again. And they kiss, and Watson sort of wanders up on them and, and he, and, and, <laughs> I love Henry's her, yeah. like I mean, he's like I was sorry to interrupt you and he's like we were just getting engaged. Like he hasn't even engaged. really asked her that <laughs> and he just throws out And, and now and, she
1: can't say no because right, Watson it's in front of somebody. Like, oh, y'all are engaged. Whoa, he's
0: like good job. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like he he Henry Wonderful. sort of tricks her into this, but um yeah, yeah. you know. I think in the I think in the book the, the Stapletons are not that well to do I think they they're struggling financially maybe or maybe I'm mixing mm. it up with another home story but you know there's it seems like there's a little bit more incentive for her to marry him and for John okay. to be plotting yeah. against him like they they had money and now they don't or maybe they are were vassals on the property of the Bascos sure. I don't know i i I wish I'd had time to reread the book I haven't read it in a little while um here's one of my favorite scenes coming up though is um while the three of them are there kind of awkwardly celebrating their, their recent engagement, um, this beggar shows up um, trying yeah. to sell like whistles and, and harmonicas and things. And Watson is so uh, annoyed by him and he, he, and he's really annoying. And Watson's like, get out of here. And he's trying to sell perfume to, to barrel. And he's like, just get, you know, he's, he's, he has a limp and his crazy beard and everything like that. And, I, I think anyone watching it, it they do a good job with it where you're like, I believe that these people somehow don't realize this is Sherlock Holmes, but yeah. we yeah. are like, oh, of course this is whatever. <laughs> but what I love is that it, it gives Basil Rathbone a chance to really show off the versatility he possessed as oh, right, not just a right? leading man, but as a character actor too. I mean, he could do these accents and he could do a bit and be funny and do all this. Like, he's just a, such a humongously... Like, I would say, like... I mean, Basil. While well, I'm a huge Lugosi fan, I'm a huge Carla fan. Don't ever get me wrong about that. Uh, Cheney Jr. Everybody. Um, Basil Rathbone might have been maybe the single best actor Universal ever like had in sure. any of his movies. I mean, just as far as like the the quality of his, his thespianness is just off the charts good. Whether he's playing Sherlock Holmes, Wolf von Frankenstein, you know, what he's doing the beggar bit here, like, he's he's fantastic. Um. Yeah. Just. Just incredible. So. So they shoo him off, and he wanders away. And. And. And Watson's the one who notices. Like, hey, he's limping on the other leg now. Wait. Hang on. So <laughs> right, he knows right, some, right. something Something's sketchy, and then the next day he gets a note. You know, this. That's. In very basic handwriting, saying like, you know, meet meet me at the this hut or this cave somewhere on the moor and he goes and, and the beggar guy kind of like confronts him, And he's like, I mean, he, he's trying to sell him like a zither or something now. Like zither,
1: yeah. Dude, And it's funny. He, the, he hits like three notes yeah, and it's like the first three notes, um, from stairway to heaven. <laughs> he starts playing so stairway to heaven. To Are you, that's the yeah.
0: greatest pull. <laughs> that's the fun. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. yeah okay. I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. I am going to go back and listen to it. That's really a funny pull. Good job. Um, you know, he he sort of confronts Watson and Watson's like, Well, I'm here on official business and you better not bother me and he's like, Well, who are you? And he's like, Well, I'm I'm Sherlock Holmes and Holmes. and and this is that thing like again where like it's like Holmes can't help himself but mess with with Watson and he's like, Well, if you're Sherlock Holmes, then I must be John Watson and he and he stands up straight and <laughs> takes off the, the disguise and and Watson is I like it in this. Watson is so pissed at him. He's like, dude.
1: It's like why would you
0: do that to me? Like, why Why would you have to, like, he's here working really hard to help Holmes in this mystery. I don't think they're getting paid for this. I think they're just, I mean, John Watson is a doctor who has a practice and then he helps Holmes right. on the side and he has like, I can't remember the books, he has some other doctor that sees his patients well. So you feel like Watson's patients are always like, uh, I gotta see this other doctor again Watson is off like you know on a mission with Sherlock Holmes <laughs> right, again right. he's gonna write his yeah, book lucky. and stuff it's like Watson has two careers right um so anyway yeah he's really annoyed at, at Sherlock Holmes for for imperson- you know tricking him first of all making him look like i like a fool uh and yeah. and you know
1: um I love how uh Holmes like bribes him like I brought sardines so <laughs> he I know I thought about oh, that this most recent yeah. time I was, I was watching it like he, he
0: bribes him off with with food and you know um, it, it works. Uh, I I do the other thing I do like I, I got to mention about Nigel Bruce is is and I don't know if this was intentional or if this was just a thing. You know, no, again, keep in mind John Watson is Holmes's biographer in the stories written by Conan Doyle. But Nigel Bruce kind of when you look you look at a picture of Arthur Conan Doyle, he had a beard, but John Watson actually kind of looks like Arthur Conan Doyle. Like you get the there's mm. kind of this nice mm-hmm. like art mirroring life a little bit that like in the, in, in this slightly more stocky mustached, you know, middle-aged man that they cast in, in the role of, 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 uh, of Watson. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um Meanwhile, Stapleton spying on Henry with a, with a, with a lens. Um uh So, so, and he's like asking where Henry is and he's at, you know, so, so, this is one of our first indications, like something's wrong with Stapleton. Like, okay, maybe this is our, mm-hmm. you know, thing. Um, I should say, but before Holmes reveals himself, we had this moment where like, we see him like just his feet, like walking with a cane towards the cave and stuff. Right. And we have like ominous and stuff. Um, there's not a lot of music in the, in the movie. And yeah, and, I noticed that. And yeah. the, uh, the, the, one of the commentaries I was listening to on the movie noted that. And, and they said like, it's interesting because like, it seems like this above all deserves like a really rich score. And you wonder if this sure, had been done in sure. universal, they would have slapped mm-hmm. on a, a, a Salkin, and er, er, Salk, a Salter, yeah. a Salter score all over this. It would have all been like, yeah. you know, invisible man returns and, and uh, son of Frankenstein all over this thing. And, and as good as the film is, like how much more dramatic would it have been it would been great. Like the, right, the final right. scene where where Henry Sarami is fighting with a the dog, there's no there's no music, and you're kinda like I mean Nothing. it's yeah, it's yeah. it's kinda horrific because of that, but you're also like, eh, it seems like it could it could punch harder, but I don't know. Um uh Holmes has changed out of his his uh disguise and this is the first time we see him with this Deerstalker cap, which is this Hunting type cap that that was famous at the time, and it has a has a bill in the front, and bill bill in the back, and it's the famous when you've seen a image of you know classic what Sherlock Holmes looks like. This is the thing he became famous for, and I think I think it's referenced in the the books, but I don't know if I've I've seen them any illustrations of Holmes wearing it until it's it. I think I feel like it just got seized on upon in this in this uh, in this series, and, yeah. and he wears it a couple yeah. times, and it becomes famous until he he uh he changes out for <clears throat> this really ugly shapeless hat that everyone kind of comments on about <laughs> that 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 Rathbone wears like in the rest of the the uh movies yeah, yeah. that's really like not ones, attractive yeah. everyone's like okay that's weird but okay cuz the journalists you wouldn't have worn it in the city. It wasn't a, um, right. Know, a Holmes, a home I mean, He's wearing it yeah. out here
1: on the moors. Right.
0: Right. It's, it's a thing you wear outside along with this, this famous cloak. He has this, like a, a coat with like this half cape, uh, which is the other kind of famous, uh, thing he's known for that. And, and the pipe obviously mm-hmm. sort of like create the, the image we, we have of, of Holmes until recently. Um, to the point where even they make fun of it in, in Sherlock where, uh, they make him put the deerstalker on, when he does the right. press uh, interviews or something and, yeah, and he yeah. hates it and, you know okay I'll do it you have to do it with you yeah, okay the as as Holmes and Watson are leaving so so Holmes explains that he's done this to while well, well, Watson is upset he's explaining he's done this because again as Holmes if he was if he'd gone down to the moor and and to the Baskerville estate and and been part of the investigation <clears throat> um everything would have been focused on him and no one would have been acting normally by sure. putting Watson in there who frankly, no one takes this seriously. Um, Holmes has been free to have this disguise on and be be observing without interacting, and that's led him to be able to actually really, like, you know, understand what, what's have a better understanding of what, what's happening. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: You know, it's, it's a good callback to, uh, to when Berryman finds the, the letter addressed to Holmes, and it's like, yeah. well, you know, they don't really know who John Watson is, and then right. Berryman sees the letter to Holmes, and he's like, oh, crap. So,
0: right. Yeah. Right. It's great plan. It's yeah. like, you know, I mean, it, you have to, you have to think of him as someone like in this era. He's, he's like, it's like if Tom Hanks showed up somewhere. Magnum P.I. Yeah. Yeah. Like people know who he is. Like he's, he's, he's a, Holmes is a celebrity of of sorts within the context of, of his own stories. Like, like Holmes is successful and well regarded in, in his own narrative so again yeah he he has to he disguises himself and he does all these uh, elaborate things to try to again it's like he takes himself out of the equation um as they're leaving and going back uh they hear the hound and they hear uh some someone being attacked and we have this great shot of um because the hound you know sometimes the hound seems to attack people and how do i say this um it, it killed, the, the original hound, of course, killed Sir Henry Baskerville, uh, or sorry, I mean, Sir Hugo H- Baskerville, I should say. Hugo, um, right. yeah Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this hound seems to prefer to chase people off cliffs, because it happens two or three times where, like, someone's just, like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, they're running away from it, and they just fall off one of these big rocks that that exist on, here on the moor. And this is what happens to this this character. Um, we see him kind of fall with the dog, like, right, uh, you know, at him. Um Holmes and Watson are convinced it's it's Sir Henry cuz he's wearing clothes like Sir Henry wears. They mm-hmm. they go up and they find it's it's the, actually the escaped convict who is wearing Sir Henry's old clothes. Um and this is what uh Holmes uses to to really like solve the final piece of the the riddle um uh about about the convict and about the berrymans and, and all this. Um I should stop and mention that Hang on. Uh the dog, it was played by a dog named... The, the hound of the Baskervilles was played by a dog named Blitzen. Uh, here he's billed as chief because this is 1939, and mm-hmm. uh, the Nazis and and everything are, are uh, rampaging all over Europe, and their method of attack is called the Blitz. So the Blitz, by being yeah. called Blitzen, which, which Blitz is a, it's a word of like Negative a sudden politics. charge forward. Yeah, so... Blitzen, you get yeah. you get the name of the reindeer too, as well. Obviously, um, I don't know if yep. the name of the reindeer was changed uh, during this period or not. <laughs> um, anyway, so they chose not to call him Blitzen because of the the, the connotations, and they call him, they called him Chief. He was a hundred um, and forty pound Great Dane. Uh, I don't know Jeez. what other movies he he was Ruru? in. Usually these, yeah. Well, okay, that's what I was getting to. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So basically. <laughs> How did the basketballs is Sherlock Holmes meets a really, really angry Scooby Doo? This is what and I, I always <laughs> and this is the thing I because again I and I have referenced Scooby Doo a lot on the on the podcast as well, and I'm a huge fan of the original Scooby Doo. Where are you? It, it was fundamental yeah, to me, too. obviously with all yeah, the monsters, yeah. right, and everything. You know, it was, it was yeah. right up my alley when I was little. And um,
1: but but I always and and there's tropes presented here that like uh the painting. Like I, I keep waiting for like the eyes to oh, move. The eyes behind that painting are going to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. But but it's my whole thing, and I, I really enjoy a lot of the movies they made. I like the, the ones uh, 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 James Gunn wrote uh, that, that came out with with Sarah Michelle Geller and all those actors. Um, sure. And sure. and I even like I just saw Scoob a few a year or two ago, which I honestly yeah. really like too. Yeah. Um, having said that, I I still wish someone would make a movie about <laughs> about someone who's like. Trying to be a counterfeiter, and he decides to dress up as a monster, scare people away, and he comes in confrontation with a hundred and forty pound dog that he tries oh, to scare. Yeah. And I would like to see what happens to him when he tries to <laughs> type, tries to scare a hundred forty pound dog.
1: He like, ain't gonna just chase him off a cliff. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. Like, like not, I'm not saying I want to see Scooby Doo maul someone to
1: death, but you know, if it
0: was a bad person. Might be entertaining. Anyway, <laughs> there's room for everything.
1: No, I mean, hey, we're getting a, we're getting an R-rated Winnie the Pooh movie. Like. That's right. No, exactly. <laughs> or, yeah, horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Soon yeah as, we can do it as, as soon as the copyright what expires. Can right. We
0: do? Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I'll just note. I there there's this whole chase scene where they're trying to find where the, this criminal is being attacked, and they're running up these rocks and stuff. And the sets are just again. I'll just go back. The sets are yeah. uh, maybe. I mean, Rathbone's amazing in this movie, but the sets are really the the what what makes this movie the movie for me. Like I agree. it's just yeah, astonishing. Yeah. Um, uh, Holmes and Holmes and Watson get back to the Baskerville State. Uh Holmes, we had this. It's almost the only scene where they come in the door and Basil Rathbone's standing there talking with John Carradine, which is just like it's these two guys and their faces and their, their gaunt, you know, no, their noses and their profiles and you're like, mm. look at these two powerhouses of horror in, right. their, in their prime right here, like, just sharing a scene together, like, just happen you know. Carradine's so, un yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say he's underused because I think he's important in this movie because he's a red herring because of who he is and you're like, hey, it's John Carradine. Right. Um, he's right around the time where he's doing, like, I mean, he's doing Grapes of Wrath right now and, and like, really important films and then you know, he's doing mm-hmm. this. It's just a amazing character actor um uh holmes uh asks him to bring his wife down uh to to have a talk and they go into the study uh with sir with sir henry and he breaks the news very tenderly for sherlock holmes i I guess i would say who, who wasn't always um as in the books in the books he's very sympathetic to people and he's a nice he's a good guy um sometimes his uh sometimes he has a little bit of a lack of empathy uh uh in in the stories um in this one not so much where he he does reveal to her that she she at first thinks they they obviously think sherlock holmes is here for their brother for her brother they right. they think he's been arrested and he's gonna go and go to the gallows and and be hung and Holmes tells her no it's it's, it, that's not going to happen because he, he's dead. And he's very sweet to her. And Sir Henry's nicer, too, because they've been deceiving Sir Henry. They've been giving, sure. you know, th- like like signaling to him and giving him his old clothes and all this stuff like that. And Sir Henry's like, well, you know, who's their new boss, right? He's just, he kind of, he inherited the, the mansion and he kind of inherited these people. But he's like, yeah, li- that's life, you know, whatever. And, and, and he
1: says, like, go take <laughs> over of so, Which is nice. It's nice that, it would be easy. I don't he's not he's not concerned because he's just thinking about um Barrel,
0: yeah, yeah. He could care less, right? <laughs> that's, he's like, that's all he cares. Whatever about. he's a he's yeah. a young man in love. Um but he yeah. gets I guess he gets it. He gets he gets what what Berryman the Butler would do for his wife too, because he loves her, obviously. Um you know, it it'd be easy for Sir Henry to be uh, uh all blustery and be like, Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, no, no You know, sure. it, okay. that type
0: of character. Right. It would have been easy to have someone else play the, the character and have him, you know, whatever. Um uh, I uh, Richard Green plays him as 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 a, a guy you'd like to know, like you know he's he's, he's sympathetic and 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 so, but he's also you know got his his own bravery and and whatnot, and and he he puts up a good fight at the end with the dog, so you know there's <laughs> he's no he he's does. no wuss, um, you're right, uh, so so. But but what's neat about, I think, the way the story evolves is that the, the red herrings are dropping one by one by one. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. like we know it's not the Berrymans now. We know it's not, you know, we, we actually know it's not the, the, the escaped murderer because we saw the escaped murderer get killed by the dog. Um, so we know it's the sure. dog. We just don't know who's controlling the dog yet. Um, uh, but Holmes is... Holmes does this thing where he's, he's convinced that the way to trap whoever's controlling the dog is to pretend that the mystery has been solved. Yeah. So he says like, you know, well, we, we've, we, you know, we, we got the, the killer. The killer was obviously the one going around doing all this, <clears throat> this bad stuff. So case closed, whatever. And he finds out, you know, Henry's going to, um, they're going to have like a little, uh, engagement dinner over at, at the, uh, at the Stapleton's. Then they're going to, then he and Barrow are going to go to London get married. And then they're going to go to Canada for a little while. Um, so Holmes knows his, his time to catch the bad, the, the person behind this is very limited now. It's like 24 hours or whatever um, before Henry leaves. And then he worries that if, even if Henry leaves and goes to Canada, whoever's controlling this dog and whoever has it in for him is still going to be lurking. So like, you know, as he says a few times, like Henry's going to live with the, 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 the danger of this, lurking over him forever unless he solves it. So again, his solution is to get on the train and pretend they're going back to London and then they're gonna get off at like the first stop and turn around and come back. Um which I, I think is I think it happens in the in the story too, which is as a writer you'd kind of be like, This is a little complicated and I'm kind of like Yeah, I'm like back forth, back forth. Holmes has already pretended to be not there and then he's there, so, you know. Right. Um but but again it, it it's in service of of of, of the, the Conan Doyle stories, so um, again Holmes makes it seem like it's all solved, but he knows it's not, and we kind of know it's not. No one else does, um, <laughs> except he's explained to Watson in the carriage and the car in the in the train, and he's like, no, 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 like again. And this is why I say like, this is why you have Watson because you need someone to have Sherlock Holmes to explain all this stuff. Right, to, to explain him. to, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Um, them leaves the roost. They get off the train, take one back, and they're going to take a carriage back, uh, to to the estate as as their the folks are having their engagement party. But something happens. The carriage breaks down and or, or breaks a wheel, and they the only solution is for them to have to go across the moor, to. To uh, go, and he and, says
1: it's like five miles on the road, or yeah, like three it's, it's, miles it's through the moor. yeah, five miles or right. three. Miles <laughs> All right, yeah, let's go.
0: Gun across the moor. <laughs> like, yeah, we've been warned like about three the great miles, great, great grimpin mire <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. you know, I, I would I would argue that you couldn't you do five miles, and I'm not trying to pick apart anything, but I'm just saying, like, couldn't you do five, five miles, miles on a road, road. than three yeah, miles yeah. across a moor? Yeah, it That's seems fun. like you, it would be much more slow going. You, you'd end up at dead ends. You'd end up even if it wasn't the risk of like falling into the. Great Grimp and Meyer. Um, yeah. Um so there's this nice little party, uh uh that that they're having the engagement thing, and um everyone leaves. Uh, Dr. Mortimer is there with his wife and they leave and and then, you know, uh 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 Mr. Franklin leaves. Um and, and he's got this great line where he's like he offers Henry a ride, and Henry's like, No, I think I'm gonna walk and 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 Frank, Mr. Franklin's like, Well, I was just trying to be polite, so that's fine. he didn't really want to give him a ride. <laughs> I'm he was sue you. It, <laughs> yeah. It's like Franco has that thing where like he whatever he thinks just comes out he there's there's not the filter between the the brain and the mouth kind of thing. He's that old fella. um that we all know uh that you, that, that you go to Applebee's with, and you're like, oh, he just said that I lot at Applebee's. anyway um, <laughs> uh, um so so Henry, thinking it's all safe is like i'm gonna it's a beautiful night. I'm gonna walk across the moor back back home to his place. Again, all these people kind of live around that same, it's like, it's like the moors there and like they all live on the outskirts are all around. So he's going to wander through the moor at night because he, as far as he's concerned, they catch, they caught the murderer. Everything's fine. Um, and as he wanders out, um, there's this great moment where the, the dog howls and, and barrel looks up from Everybody where yeah everyone it. looks up and they realize that, that it wasn't the murder that, that the danger is still there. Um, Here's where we, we realize it. Of course, it's Stapleton. He goes to, his, you know, uh, Beryl goes upstairs, Stapleton goes and he gets his boot, get the boot that he they stole from uh, from Sir Henry. And of course, the the idea is like, the boot has Henry's scent on it. And that's what they've trained the dog to go after. Just like the dog went after the, the convicted murderer because he was wearing Henry's old Close. giveaway clothes that, that the Stapletons uh, gave him. So in a way, like... Mrs. Stapleton kind of killed her brother by doing that, but you know, she didn't know any better, so it wasn't her fault, but it's still very tragic. Um mm. except for the guy was a murderer anyway, so whatever. Anyway <laughs> That's how we that's how that's how we rationalize the morality, at least within the film world, right? Yeah, yeah it was a murderer. Um And we're kind of into the end of the film now where there's there's gonna be this great chase where um all all across the moor, like Henry's walking and then john stapleton is is running to get the dog then releases the dog and the the dog is is chasing henry and then holmes and watson, holmes and watson are, are chasing are the, the dog yeah. yeah it's this whole this great like really dynamic foot chase across this whole thing which and i'm just gonna one more time to reference the, the set and this is more like the cinematography of the set than anything else because there's no way this set was that big like it could have been a if it was on the sound stage, which I think it was, because they're shooting night and they wouldn't want to shoot night all the time, so they had to be inside so they could make it look like nighttime. Um, the sound stages are the length of a football field, maybe a football field and a half. Right? Some of these these big Fox sound stages I, I, I've shot on some of these now. Um, which on the by the way on the Fox lot now they're all painted with murals So like ones like the Star Wars mural. It has like Luke Skywalker and, mm. and Darth Vader fighting from Empire Strikes Back. And ours was the Simpsons one so it had all Simpsons painted just bright colors all around the mural, which it's funny because the tour groups would come up and they'd be like, do they film the Simpsons here? And you're like, no, no, yes, they do. That's Homer's dressing room. It was right there. Yeah. that's where they film the Simpsons. Right. Um,
1: they can go in there and meet them. Yeah. yeah.
0: The Simpsons, uh, production office actually is in a trailer on the lot and there's a sign, at least when I was there, I think they're on season like 22 of the Simpsons or something. And it said Simpsons production office, 22 years in the same double wide. Um,
1: Oh, that's awesome. And
0: it's actually right by the cottage they built for Shirley Temple, which there was this whole thing where there weren't really the child labor laws at that point that there are now. But still, there was this idea that Shirley Temple could could only be working – there was a a rule that she could only be like from her front door to work and then back home to her front door. could only Mm. be so much extra time. So, the idea was that they built her a house on the lot. So, her travel time – from home to set was cut down to the point where they could work her that much more, which is just ingenious and also really grotesque. <laughs> this yes. this poor child, <laughs> yes. So anyway, yeah. There's a little yeah. cottage on the Fox lot that, that was they built for that was Shirley Temple's house where she lived there with, wow. with with I think her family or what have you. Um. Anyway, it worked out for her. She didn't she didn't turn out to be a mess. She was like a U.S. ambassador. Everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another another. I know I who know. Shirley Temple is, but I I couldn't like tell you a Shirley Temple movie. I have no idea. <laughs> The Littlest Rebel, I guess, is the only one I know. Yeah,
1: I remember seeing the, uh, like, growing up watching Cartoon Network, they'd have the the Shirley Temple collection, like, as an infomercial. Oh, right, yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, they would, on Cartoon Network, (laughs) that's right.
0: That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. The the amount of things we Um, know because of commercials, like, I have no idea who Victor Borga is, but I know Victor Borga because there were commercials about his, like, comedy routines with playing piano all the time, but I've never heard of Victor Borga otherwise. We only know about them because of the commercials we saw.
1: My favorite is the uh, it was like the uh, the time life treasury, and mm-hmm. it's um, like the greatest love songs. And it's, yes, that's <laughs> so funny. Like uh, Linda Ronstadt, and um, oh, yeah, which were like Rat oldies Paul. then, yeah, or, you know. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh,
0: the dog catches up to Henry and and they have a fight, and they have part of me wishes that that. <laughs> that Lon Chaney Jr.'s fight with Bella the werewolf in <laughs> in the Wolfman I, I was, was even half this long? Because it's it it, it, it it's maybe thirty seconds long in the Wolfman or something like that. And this fight between yeah. Henry and this dog is like two and a half minutes. It is it's yeah, horrifying. Yeah. It's really brutal. I mean, the dog is really. I mean, as I've I've kind of worked with some animals a little bit in film, and you can see like the the. Uh, Blitzen's the the actor dog's tail is wagging the entire time. So and right. and it's not and it's not obviously Richard Green. He's he's doing most of these scenes with it's his trainer that that doubles for the actor because the the animal you know knows them and they they know how to play with the animal in a way that makes it look like the animal's attacking somebody. When meanwhile, it's it's a it's a dog playing with its owner. It's not it's a big dog playing sure, with its owner, sure. which you know there's there's
1: that, but um, it's still like. I, I'm not a dog person and growing up, we did have a family dog and that was fine. Um, but I wasn't attacked, but I had a neighbor's dog that was bigger than I was. Oh, wow. Like, ta- like tackle me.
0: Oh, jeez!
1: Just all, all on top of me. Like, and I couldn't get away from it. Uh, and the dog was just playing, but that kind of set a tone for me. Yeah. Interesting. And to add insult to injury, literally, um, I've been a delivery driver for uh-huh. almost ten years. I was, you know, I worked at the post office and uh, now work for FedEx. And I've been attacked by like and bitten by five dogs now. Jeez, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing gruesome, uh, but watching this scene, it's just like.
0: Well, yeah, oh gosh, it, it, you it, it you you have real life connotations that this <laughs> yeah, this triggers, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's fr- like, you know, what do you do? Can you get away? Like, oh yeah, it's it's um, it's worse. It's almost worse getting chased. Than like oh wow yeah yeah i'll bet having it there you know mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah i briefly got i i was a gas meter reader one summer uh, before i moved to los angeles and you know we had like dog spray and because we went out into the yeah. reading gas meters out in in like even the suburbs and stuff i had i had two uh uh st bernard's come out of a garage and me like really come at me and i was very close to spraying them because I wasn't sure what was going to happen oh, yeah. and it turned out yeah. they had an invisible fence and I, I, I could get back just past it before they got to me but they those are sure. you know we think we think about Beethoven <laughs> and how cuddly they are but like if a St. Bernard is not happy with you that's a big dog to not <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah
1: watch Cujo instead <laughs> woo
0: woo yeah exactly well that's true yeah 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 um, so I, no I totally get what you're saying uh and I while well, I've had experience like that too I, I kind of am a big I love dogs so I look at this and I actually see some of the close-ups and stuff. I'm like, Oh, he looks so cute. Like he doesn't look like, <laughs> they, cause they didn't make up the dog. They didn't add right. like, like now you'd go in and you probably do some, some kind of prosthetics to the dog somehow. So, or well, even make if it you it did m- in the m- m- eighties or, or yeah. Yeah. yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like I think about the, the, um, the Dobermans in resident evil. Remember that they made yes. zombie Dobermans. They're yes. terrifying. Yeah. I'm sure that, yeah. Oh man, I bet you hate that scene. Um, uh, wow i I hate that those those dogs are scary. um this dog looks like he he was having a good time on the set um anyway um uh so um, but Holmes and Watson finally get there and and they shoot the dog and they don't kill it. it kind of limps limps away um Watson <laughs> takes Henry home and holmes Holmes tells Watson to take Henry back, and he's like i'm I need whatever, and he he follows the trail of the dog he finds the dead dog. Um, and he tracks its its tracks back to where it came from. He's trying to figure out, you know, the source of like where does this dog comes from. Um, while he's doing that, uh, John Stapleton is is stalking him, and he's got a, a gun out now, and he's you know, so Holmes is now alone on the moor with, he doesn't you know, I, it, like it's like that thing where like does he know it's Stapleton at this point? I think he probably does. He's just trying to figure yeah, out like. Yeah you know, the proof of it or something. Um, but, but it's a good, like, you know, in a way, like, I think, I think until I rewatched this recently, I was like, no, no, I mean, they, they rescue Henry from the dog and the movies over, right? And it's like, no, there's this whole extra bit here at the end where there's like this, you know, stock scene through the, stalking scene through the, the more Holmes finds the crypt that, and John keeps, uh, there's a cemetery on the, on the moor obviously, and uh, which is a great looking cemetery with oh my god with old it's this is not Ed Wood looking stuff these are big old <laughs> tombstones with ivy all over them that just look fantastic they're all crooked and you know upturned by by time it looks yeah, ancient yeah. Um, Holmes Holmes finds the boot um, then he finds the the crypt that uh, Stapleton uses and he keeps the dog in, and then he keeps his poor dog so so what Stapleton's done and, and Holmes says pretty soon is he 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 just home he knew about the legend, and he just, Stapleton just found this very vicious dog, and then he kept this poor animal down in this underground thing with a door shut with conceivably no light. Yeah. Uh, I guess it looks like he threw down like a chicken at him or something like that. So he's yeah, he's also made bones, yeah. yeah he's made this this dog even more dangerous and, and, and vicious. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, he wears this is something I. I hadn't put together until this last time watching either. Like he wears gloves the, all the time gloves, when he's dealing with this so stuff. So he doesn't get the scent on his hands. It's yeah. so smart. They never really mention I think they mentioned in the, I'll bet that's something that they mentioned in the yeah, story. They don't mention in the movie. They don't yeah. mention the movie. It's they just there. And you're like, just like Oh for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That's that's how he does it. Um, Holmes investigating the thing jumps down into the crypt and Stapleton slams the thing shut and, and bolts it and effectively, you know, thinks he has him trapped. Um, so Stapleton's like kind of, uh, he knows he's found out, but he's trying to play this out to its final, you know, end. uh Holmes starts, takes out a knife and he starts trying to like carve away at this, <laughs> which it. a- a- allegedly it's, like, it's, it's pretty old wood. It's a sort of pretty rotten. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's not crazy. But that he was do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. uh, Basil Rathbone is skinny. So you feel like oh, maybe he only had to get like two of those boards <laughs> loose and they, <laughs> right, you know, like, right. like Watson would have had to get like all four of them. <laughs> free yeah. to get out of there, but you, know, you never know. Um, he pulls
1: a. Uh, it made me think of a Kill Bill, like when she's yes, buried buried the- and buried alive. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah now that's
0: yeah. The, the the buried alive claustrophobia thing is that's one of my things that I I have tr- ah, a lot of trouble dealing with in movies. And that just oh, see, I mean, I watch movies like that. I like buried with Ryan Reynolds or something, but like yeah, those yeah, scenes, yeah. those scenes freak me out though. That just the idea of not being able to turn around, like you know how sometimes you're taking off your sweatshirt and you get stuck halfway through and there's just that moment of panic like that. I, I really work to not have that happening. Cause I'm just like, what if I never get out of this thing? That's really, I can't breathe. That's awful. Right, right. I just get that moment of claustrophobia. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, John Stapleton has run back to the estate uh, where Dr. Watson is taking care of, uh, Sir Henry. Um, he, uh, he dismiss. He tells. He makes up a lie. He tells Watson that, that Holmes needs to see him on the moors. Uh, Watson's like, "Well, I have to take care of this guy." And he's like, "Well, you know, I'm kind of a doctor too." Which I, you know, in the eighteen in the eighteen hundreds, you could be kind of a doctor.
1: <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of anything. I'm sure.
0: Now, now, yeah, yeah. Now, now we sort of make sure that someone that actually has like the qualifications to do these things. Back then, you could be like, oh, "No, I'm sort of a doctor." You know, kind of, kind of an archaeologist. I, I bounce around. Um. Uh, trying to trying to finish his plot which is really scary because like, you know, basketball just survived this attack on the dog and he's wounded. His hands are bandaged. It's really, you know, he's in bad shape. And then this, this bastard is here like putting poison in his water and giving to him, he's going to try and poison him like right here at the end. He's so, um, uh, so nefarious. It's, it's just, it's, you know, um, and he's, of course he's in a white tie and coats. I mean, you know, he's still dressed from the, the dinner so they're all he's all in like formal wear yeah it's funny um uh henry's about to drink the drink actually so so stapleton's plan is going to work when holmes shows up in the doorway and and you know it's it's a neat moment where i mean he's kind of come back to life right he was buried alive and he's sort of resurrected himself it's a
1: nice sure um it's a nice kind of poetic moment it's just funny like i thought initially i was like wait why isn't stapleton panicking and it's like well when he slams the door Holmes hasn't seen him. Holmes hasn't seen so, him. Yeah. Yeah. So he yeah, thinks
0: maybe yeah. he's still okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Holmes does a good thing where he, he walks by and he, and he accidentally, uh, I'm doing air quotes. Uh, he's actually, acci- right, he accidentally right. knocks his, cause it's radio. We, yeah. Um, sure. Uh, he accidentally knocks his, the, the glass with all the poison. Uh, <laughs> oh he, no. He yeah. hasn't, I don't think he's <laughs> seen him. Put poison in it, but I think Holmes is like, yeah, let's just be safe here. Um, yeah. Uh, but here's the moment. This is the great moment where, where he he uh, explains everything, and he he explains what's going on and how he he figured out he does. You're. I will backtrack. He does know Stapleton is is guilty because right before he left the, well, the the first time he saw this the painting of of Hugo mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: basketball on the wall, looked at his eyes, and now he goes up and he kind of like puts his hands up so you can only see the eyes and he looks at Stapleton and he realizes that Stapleton looks exactly like Baskerville's eyes. Predator so, so eyes. this yeah, is, yeah. this is how Holmes in a very like oblique way solves the mystery by understanding that here's Stapleton's, uh, motivation to, to kill off the Baskervilles. It's, it's to inherit their wealth. That's his, <laughs> that's his thing. Um, and, and Stapleton, you know, having been found out, uh, pulls a gun on everybody and he's like you know i'll i'll show you da, 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 and he you know, kind of backs <laughs> out and he literally like like his sister beryl his stepsister i guess comes walking up to him and he's like i'll shoot you too i don't care like he's yeah. he's lost it he's a madman like <laughs> right, was, right like I, you know so because now he's he's found out but now i guess he's just like well i guess i'll the plan didn't work out, but I'll escape. And he runs out and of course he knocks over okay. John Watson. Cause it's not, <laughs> right. it's not, it's the not first a first bumbling.
1: Yes. It's yeah, 100% it's, bumbling. It's, for, it's not a Nigel
0: Bruce Watson performance unless he gets knocked on his butt somewhere. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 Holmes whistles, which I think is the same whistle. He was trying to sell them <laughs> you know, when he was the banker guy. So I think yeah, like that yeah, was, yeah. he actually like uses that, that piece of junk that he, they didn't want to buy. Um, uh, Stapleton runs off into the moor and, and they don't chase him. He's like, "It's oh, okay. I, I've posted constables all around both sides of the, of the thing. And the only way out is through the Great Grimp Mire. So I guess the Meyer, idea is that yeah. he's going to run into the Grimp Mire and probably die that way. So there, there <laughs> we have it. Um, the mystery solved. He kind of makes sure Beryl's okay. Um, Beryl and, and Henry are going to go off and be married. Uh, Holmes. Holmes and walks away. Go ahead. Holmes' final quote. That, yes,
1: that awesome quote. <laughs> he says, "Watson, the needle,
0: the needle, the, the our, needle, the most probably famous cocaine addict in literature. Because, uh, uh, because the other thing is co- Holmes uh, indulged in cocaine in the stories, which uh, they have drastically watered down in most modern iterations. Um, I think in the the, the Guy Ritchie movies." Um, they they make some reference to him chewing on cocoa leaves or something, mm, but not not funny. not that he is an, an intravenous drug user. Um, right, right. Cocaine was not illegal when the home stories came out, um, and it was actually viewed as a stimulant, like mm-hmm. a healthy stimulant. I mean, it is a stimulant, but it was viewed as a a healthy stimulant, which I think most people know. Like, uh, Coca Cola got its name because it originally had cocaine in it, um, yeah. and it was. It was supposed to be, like, good for your nerves. It was supposed to uh, – it was actually – it was a stimulant that was also supposed to relax you, according to period uh, advertisements I've seen. So, you know, um, everyone sort of thought this was a great thing. And no one – I I think there was not the understanding of how damaging it is and also how addictive it is as a thing. Um, uh, and, and, and it was common to take it – like, he – He's, uh, famously Holmes uses a 7% solution. So he mixes 7% of saline or whatever. And, it, and like I said, he injects it in, in, his veins and he uses it. Um, he uses it in between, uh, mysteries when he goes into these depression, bouts of depression to kind of keep his mood up and to keep his ego up mm-hmm. or ego mm-hmm. to keep his intellect up until, <laughs> cause he thrives on the simulation of the, the mystery and solving the, the mystery, um, he likes helping people, I guess, but but he, it's really a mental exercise for Holmes, and when he doesn't have sure. that, he the falls challenge. into things. So yeah. so he yeah. replaces it with things. So yeah, it, it's amazing that, uh, line with the last line in the film that that gets in here in the movie, which is yeah. you know.
1: I want like I felt like I read somewhere that it was censored some like oh I wouldn't I don't be know surprised he releases or yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah um, and a lot of these were chopped up when once uh. Universal got the rights to it, and then and then I think, it, I don't know if they passed out of copyright or if they, if Universal sold subsidiary kind of rights to it from where else. So the 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 prints that UCLA was restoring had <clears throat> a lot of them had the Universal logo cut off of them, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and it was it was a lot of these that would actually show on TV apparently when in the old days, um, which was complicated because sometimes like the the last shot of Holmes walking away down the stairs, something like that would dissolve into a, a caption where it says the end and it would say a universal picture and they would cut That's off right. the very hard. So, so the work wasn't just to like save the, the material of the film. It was actually, they went in and like had to find universal titles from other and the end titles from other films. And they were from the period and like connect them up and they had to take 16 millimeter versions and blow them up and, and, and solve this. But
1: luckily they did. Cause we have all these great movies, man. Yeah. I mean, talk about a legacy. I mean, it's yeah. it's funny like I know we were mentioning earlier how uh how Rathbone you know, he, he sort of resented being typecast at, Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, it didn't it didn't prevent you from doing 14 of these. Yeah, um, in in, in 5 years or something though, too. Like in they five did like two three Yeah, years, yeah I was these say, these it was a like year. 39 to 46 off or on something these. like yeah. that. During
0: the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. I mean, you know, I always say like you know, people people do their patriotic duty, I guess, in in different ways, and in a weird way, Universal was doing his patriotic duty by creating these this entertainment that that sure. distracted people for just a minute from like the really real horror that was going on in the world. So you could go see the Wolfman, you could go see a Sherlock Holmes movie, or what what have you, um, you know, thereby kind of doing their bit. Um, and and uh, Rathbone for I will say yes. <laughs> it. Next, next to Wolf on Frankenstein, I think Sherlock Holmes is my favorite Wrathbone performance that does not involve a sword fight. Um, it's a sword fight. Because right? my, my, I would argue my maybe my three favorite Wrathbone performances are as L'avassir in Captain Blood. His he has a sword fight on the beach with Errol Flynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy of Gisborne in Adventures of Robin Hood, where they have the famous uh, uh, yeah. sword fight at the end of that. And then, um I, but I'm blanking on the character's name in in uh, Mark of Zora, which I think may might be his best on screen sword fight uh, Rathbone was a famously deadly actual swordsman he was actually he practiced a lot he practiced on the stage when he did um, uh, whatever he, you know what I haven't seen is his Romeo and Juliet where he plays Tybalt which obviously he has a very important fight scene mm. there where he kills Mercutio sure. in, in the Romeo and Juliet so I do need to uh, our friend Adele uh, uh, recommended that to me then and posted about it and I really need to check that one out so I still have some more and then I have a bunch of more of these uh, you've been working your way through you said I I have a bunch more of these to watch too I watched Scarlet Claw um, because that was the other one that people said you should try to do that one too it's kind of a horror movie and it kind of is but it's maybe a little bit more of a who so it. So it's possible. Sure. This will be our only Sherlock Holmes movie we, we cover on the Borgo past, but I'm glad we did. Cause it's fantastic. Yeah. And my voice is starting to go. So we're probably going to wrap it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me, man. Two no, plus hours. Uh, this, great. this was a blast. Yeah.
0: Oh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It's always fun having you on the show and, you know, I, I asked Livio what his interest was in doing one of these, and he's like, you know, I think I've seen them, but <laughs> he didn't. There was no real, like, investiture in that. Uh, Livio, sure, sure. L- Lon Chaney Jr. is not in it, so he's like, well, whatever. So that's cool. I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> right, glad we were able right. to bring you on for this and and, uh, yeah.
1: and have a good time talking about it. It was fun. I, th- I think this is me doing my due diligence to, e- even if it's just a little bit, expand into cinema beyond just Mm -hmm. the horror films of the era and i know like a big draw for me is i'm familiar with e E. clive and john carradine and you know these these character actors are are here right and um you know like like i said the the tie with like the spider woman and uh rondo hatton shows up as the hoxton creeper and and the pearl of death in one of these movies so you get while they're not straight up horror movies once you get to the fine like 20th century fox pervert you know produced the first two and then universal does the remaining 12 those are coming out the same time as wolfman and ghost of frankenstein and right. um it's that same era and then it tags on to like the tail run like of of them grasping at straws trying to all right well, you know we wrapped up the wolfman and yeah uh, house of dracula is done so what do we have well we have rondo Hatton and we have Gail Sondergaard yeah they were both these characters in these two Holmes murder mysteries and they try right. to like spin them off and that's why we get House of Horrors and the Brute Man and yeah, they're, they're, the, 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 the and creeper uh, the yeah, would-be Creeper yeah. trilogy
0: and all those things, yeah. Yeah, I think we were talking when we did this, the Spider-Woman Strikes Back about, like, this unlikely pairing and the universe was like, I don't know, there's something with this Gail Sondergaard and Rondo yeah, Hatton yeah. thing. Like, like <laughs> it's kind of like the odd couple, but maybe it works. I don't know. We'll try it. We'll see. So it's really funny yeah. that they do that, so. Fantastic. Um Ian, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it, as always. I can't wait to have you thank on you. for the next whatever we do. I think we're going to do Old Dark House at some point soon, so that would be fun. Yes, I cannot wait
1: to do It'd the Old fun. Dark House. It's one that'd of my be, all-time favorites. That'll be great. Um, have a potato.
0: Yeah, have a potato. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been Jim Towns for the Borgo Password Podcast. We've been talking about Hound the Bass Girls from 1939. We appreciate you listening. Uh, please, uh, if you haven't, please subscribe to our show on any of your favorite podcasts. Uh, applications. We're on everything practically. And uh, go back and listen to some of the other ones. We've got plenty of listening time for you. Thanks very much. Have a good night.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. But the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of shadow camera film
0: and entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Boole. Opening and
1: closing narration are by me, Cat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast.